Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show. A pleasure to be with you this freezing-ass cold Monday. It was 11 degrees when we walked in the building today. Here at the Maverick Center, where the Utah Grizzlies swept away the Rapid City Rush this weekend. Amazing weekend of hockey. All right, that's going to be the lead because nobody wants to talk about LeBron getting screwed. (laughs) The Jazz trading Mike Conley. And the NFL, I think, having a miserable weekend of football. Oh, by the way, this fine here positive upbeat program is brought to you by The Advocates. Theadvocates.com, when you need an attorney, theadvocates.com. And listen, if you were driving this weekend and you saw the snow, I saw all the accidents yesterday morning up on Parley's uh, because there was a bunch of snow up there. If somebody was driving recklessly and they hit you, that's not your fault. You need an attorney. Don't trust your insurance company. I know I say it every day, but you can't trust your insurance company. They've got thousands of attorneys representing them. Who's representing you? The Advocates. Theadvocates.com. Chat with an attorney live online 24-7. Good morning, young Jake. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Crappy as usual. Uh, I thought this was a really disappointing weekend in the NFL. Uh, obviously there was a lot of anticipation around these two conference championship games. I just didn't find them as compelling as I had hoped. Um, obviously the Niners ego game was a complete letdown. Yeah. Um, with the injury to Brock Purdy, that clearly, clearly changed everything in that game. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles absolutely romped to a victory in Philadelphia as, as I think a lot of people thought they would, but. I thought that was a really disappointing game. And and frankly, I just didn't think Kansas City-Cincinnati was that well-played of a football game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the, the Kansas City game was, I thought was obviously was pretty was pretty good in the first half. But overall, I mean, yeah, like this weekend of football was, was like more people are talking about officiating and like non-football stuff than they are talking about the actual game itself and like what happened in these games and you know and as far as as far as the 49ers are concerned this is what happens when you when you have one guy a quarterback I mean with all due respect like you know it not that Brock Purdy played bad but this is the risk you run in the NFL but what do you mean one guy I think they've he is their he was their third string quarterback obviously with Trey Lance going down Trey Lance was never going to be their their the quarterback to take them, in my opinion, mm-hmm. to take them to the promised land. Like I just didn't think. What's up with the gray wall here? I, I don't know, man. I, are I, I don't, are, are I, you are you kidding me right now? Like you can't have the the gray wall of there. We go in the in the hair. Yeah, Wait, let's fix the hair. That's, yeah. I guess that's a little better. I don't know. Uh, but Trey Lance was never going to be the guy to take the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl. I think we all agree with that. 
You knew it was only a matter of time. Water's wet. Jimmy Garoppolo has a serious injury. Right. But Brock Purdy, I think, came in and has played exceptionally well in the opportunity he's been given. And it's really unfortunate that he got hurt on the first drive of the game. Now, why did he get hurt? Because this Eagles defense is dominant. Because Hassan Reddick has been one of the most under-the-radar stories of the year. I think he's been one of the most dominant defensive players in the National Football League. And nobody has talked about him. And again, I think... The hype machine didn't do this Eagles defense justice. They have been, I think, in the second half of the season, the best defense in the National Football League. And I think I think we found out why yesterday because they get after the quarterback's ass, they make it uncomfortable, and that play by Hassan Reddick, it's not even his explosiveness, his athleticism. It is his sound fundamentals to get to that elbow, to stop the arm, the, the wrist and the forearm coming forward that's textbook pass rushing. That's textbook quarterback, uh, you know, defensive end getting to the quarterback. Like, that is all textbook. I don't think that was an accident, but I'm certainly also not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, you've got to have, you know, quarterback depth. The San Francisco 49ers, in my opinion, had three guys uh, at quarterback. Now, two of those three I thought played at a very high level when they were given a chance. Yeah, they did. And and I I just think what's tough is, is, is that's, you know, that's the NFL. I mean, the reality is coming into this game, you didn't have anybody behind Brock because of how the season played, how the how the season kind of worked out for you. So I'm not I'm certainly not sitting here saying they don't have enough quarterbacks in the organization. I'm just simply saying that it's unfortunate the position you were put in. That said, I don't think we should take anything away from Brock Purdy and what he's done. I think he had a hell of a rookie debut. I think I, I think this guy has a lot in front of him. And the only question is going to be, you know, how the 49ers deal with roster turnover this offseason. Because that's going to really be the 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 both the question and the answer to, you know, what they're going to do next year and, and how quickly Brock Purdy can ascend. Because I think the kid's got real talent. It's just a matter of, of him now getting healthy. Because word is that, you know, TJ may be on the horizon for him. So Well, you know. and if you didn't see it, Brock Purdy had his elbow hit. Um, and what happens is the arm comes forward and it, it – you know, really put a lot of torque on that ulnar collateral ligament, which mm -hmm. is the pitcher's injury in the elbow. Now, there, he's going to have an MRI today. They're not saying that it's ruptured or completely torn. Uh, it may just have a tear in it, which would be a six-week injury. So uh, look for big news on Brock Purdy this week. Now, in the AFC, obviously, uh, what, what I warned you about on Friday came true with your boy, like, you knew that the Burrowhead stuff was going to come back to bite him in the ass. And you knew that the mayor of Cincinnati, um, you know, making the ridiculous claims he made the other day. Did you guys see this uh, out of the Cincinnati uh, mayor saying this about Cincinnati versus Kansas City? Good afternoon, Cincinnati. I have a proclamation from the desk of the mayor. Be it proclaimed, whereas the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Burrowhead Stadium for their second consecutive AFC championship game. Whereas at last year's game, the Bengals scored more points than the Chiefs, resulting in a Bengals victory and a Chiefs loss. Whereas Joseph Lee Burrow, who's 3-0 against Mahomes, has been asked by officials to take a paternity test to confirming whether or not he's his father. Whereas all season long, Cincinnati has been on a path of destiny, fighting it out to overcome anyone who stands between them and a Super Bowl win. And How stupid. Uh -huh. Like... Take a paternity test. Uh huh. Burrowhead Stadium. Like, you knew this was going to come back to bite them, and it came back to bite them mightily. 
And then to commit that that I mean that stupid penalty at yes. the end of the game. Yes. When Mahomes is out of bounds and you hit him anyway, like I just thought that this was karma coming by, back to bite smoking Joe in the ass. I warned you about your boy. You Joseph knew Burrow. you knew that the Kansas City Chiefs were not going to take kindly to Burrowhead. Mm -hmm. You knew that they were not going to take kindly to this stupid DNA test proclamation <laughs> nonsense. I didn't even think it was funny. Uh -huh. I didn't even laugh at that. Like, you knew that Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium was going to come back to get them. I think this is exactly what the, the Cincinnati Bengals deserved. Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk you talk a bunch of junk and you lose, you're going to get a crow sandwich. It just is what it is. I mean, that's the that's what happens. I mean, obviously no one no one said it was a good idea for them to do what they did, but they did it. And I think that, you know, the 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 penalty there at the end of the game, you know, who's to say what happens if that penalty is not committed? Obviously the you know, the field goal would have been would have been borderline at that point, you know, but hey, it was committed and now we're here. And to me, it's just this it's, game was lost at the desk of the mayor in Cincinnati. Mm, I got I news for, oh, they're, I don't think there's any doubt. Dude, you, it was 2020 with 30 seconds left. It's not like they got blown out or anything. Right, dude. no, I'm not saying they got, who said they got blown out? What I said was that you gave, you gave Kansas City at Arrowhead all of this bulletin board material. Maybe next time, shut up and play the game first. Then let's talk about doing DNA tests. Know but, your role and shut your mouth. I mean, seriously, how stupid was this? Uh -huh. And it, it, by the way, Kansas City's a better football team than, than Cincinnati. Kansas City was more prepared. Kansas City had more guys making more plays. How many stupid penalties did the Cincinnati defense commit? Plenty. I mean, a yeah. litany. Cincinnati just was not ready to play a close disciplined football game. And I, you know what? I, I just don't, I feel no sadness or remorse for Cincinnati. You made your bed by running your mouths. Now you get to watch Kansas city go to the super bowl and get their ass kicked by Philadelphia because I, I just, I, this is my issue with Joe Burrow. And we talked about this, and I know you want to fillet the guy, and I totally get it. He's the greatest quarterback ever. Uh -huh. Joe Burrow needs to stop talking and go win something. Joe Burrow has won nothing, and yet I'm him. I'm him. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm the dude. Hey, cool, bro. But what you're not is a Super Bowl champion. And what you're not is, you know, getting your name hung on stadiums in other cities. Mm -hmm. Like, I just... This is one of the the most, I'm not going to say gratifying or satisfying. I, I just think Cincinnati got what they deserved, which was a really bad loss because you are fundamentally not sound. You're undisciplined, and you got beat by a better football team in Kansas City. Yeah, and I just look at it a little differently. I, I mean, I think, that, I think that I agree they got what they deserved, right? Like you talk a bunch of junk, you lose a game you're going to get what's coming to you. I mean, that's just the reality of life. But I think I'm not going to sit here and say that they, they're they you know not as good. I think they, they didn't execute when they needed to, which is the reality of the situation. I think they're more than capable of beating the Chiefs. They just didn't last night. And, yeah, that was a dumb penalty. <laughs> wait, wait, and wait. They're more than capable of beating the Chiefs 
They just didn't last yeah, night. He's three well, and one you know, the, the good news is we're going home and we get to play next week. We get to get, oh, wait, that's right. Why it was the so AFC Championship say, game. Why are we so reticent to say the guy's three and one now against Patrick Mahomes? Because it doesn't matter. Well, it, it does doesn't matter. In the matter. Conversation, it doesn't dude. matter. It does. No, it doesn't. Not when you talk Burrowhead nonsense. Not when you talk about DNA testing. Not when you say right, ridiculousness Burrow, like Bur- I'm Joe him. Didn't say that. Oh, I'm Joe him. Burrow didn't run out the DNA stuff. That was the mayor. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. Like, it is, to me, I look at all these numbers. Kansas City was a much better football team. I don't even think the game was as close as the score. I think Kansas City, all of those injuries to the wide receivers, I think I I just, all of the injuries and the issues they had offensively, that's why this game was close. Kansas City was, I'm not going to say like head and shoulders. Kansas City was clearly the better football team. They were the more disciplined football team. They executed at a much higher level. They were clearly the more motivated football team. They had that extra gear to mm-hmm. get around a corner. And how many times was Joe Burrow hit yesterday? Yeah, like plenty. repeatedly. Yeah, the offensive line did not play well at Re- all. It's not that they didn't play well. They got beat by a better defense. Whatever you want to say. I mean, the reality is is that that you, if Joe Burrow had any kind of time last night, we'd probably be having a different conversation, but he didn't. He was hit repeatedly. 12 times. Yeah. It wasn't that he didn't have time. He got hit repeatedly. They got the quarterback 12 times yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Kansas City. Well, I know he's your guy. I totally get no, it. No, this is what I you totally do, though. This it. is what we do on the show. When Dak had some huge performance, you were all about giving Dak his credit. And I'm yes. not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say the guy's the best guy in the league because he's not. Like I'm no, not, but, I'm, but see, again, nobody said Dak Prescott was the best quarterback in the league. I never said that. What I said was Dak deserves more respect than he was getting. What I will say here is Joe Burrow didn't perform as well as Patrick Mahomes on one leg did. Patrick Mahomes made the only play that mattered at the end of the game. And then they create, they take this ridiculously undisciplined penalty. Like the Chiefs outperformed the the Bengals by a lot. It, it, it's not like do you guys have you guys looked at, at all at the team stats in this game? Like when you look at when you look at uh, first downs from penalties, Kansas City got three first downs from penalties. When you look at total drives, the Bengals had one more drive, one more drive. And three less plays than the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bengals had one more drive and 52 less yards than the Kansas City Chiefs. What does that tell you? The Kansas City Chiefs were the better football team. And then when you start looking at things like penalties and mental errors, the Kansas City Chiefs had four penalties for 55 yards. In the AFC Championship game, the Cincinnati Bengals had nine penalties for 71 yards. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, they also turned the ball over twice. Mm-hmm. Kansas City was by far a better football team yesterday. And had they been healthy, I don't think this game would have even been this close. Mm-hmm. It was simply so a matter of... We, why are we okay to say if they had been healthy, this game wouldn't be close, but we're not okay to say that ha- like a lot of this stuff is not in Joe Burrow's control? Like, oh, uh, it, it, like, a lo- the interception, that terrible interception he threw was in his, his, it was in his control. His inability to adjust to the pass rush, his inner, in a, inability to option out of, the, out of certain plays to get into better looks against what, like, it's not like Kansas City was running crazy schemes and disguises. Mm-hmm. Like, 
We're sitting there, me and Mrs. Montier watching the game, and I am calling out the guy that's going to blitz. I am, like, this was not difficult. The Bengals just did not play well. They got beat by a better team. Joe Burrow got hit 12 times yesterday. 12. That's not an accident. That's an ass kicking. And, you know, I, I, I don't, like, right here. This is the perfect example. That This is the perfect example. Sean Mirzinski blaming the officials, blaming the officials for, the, for this game. Saying in, in a game like this, the refs shouldn't be a part of the conversation. The refs made themselves part of it. Uh, come on. That's now. a ridiculous yeah. comment. The last penalty alone, yeah. the, the undisciplined nature of the Bengals defensively was just, I, I mean, you, you had penalties called where they had no choice but to throw the flag. It, it wasn't even, like on that last hit on, on Mahomes out of bounds, he's got both feet on the white. How many times are we going to talk what about, Eli, talking about Eli Apple holding in the secondary? And, and the Eli like, Apple holding times? was an egregious yeah, hold. Like, clearly. An egregious hold. So, like, I, I, look, and I'm the guy that's defending oh Cincinnati my God. here. I'm the guy that's trying to bring it back to the middle a little bit. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, the, the officials had some huge role and they changed the, the outcome officials of the game. wanted the chiefs to win like, the game don't come in here and talk to me about how the officials gave the chiefs an extra play go read the explanation dude you couldn't hear the whistle there were clock issues they had spot issues like it wasn't like they said oh yeah we'll just give the chiefs another down that's not uh, that's not what There's happened the, like the, I, just, they, I thought cbs did there was a play where the chiefs didn't get a first down and everybody was like, all right, they're going to punt. And then all of a sudden, it went back to third and nine, and the, the Chiefs had another chance. By the way, by the way, did the Chiefs convert on that? They didn't. So did the officials really determine the outcome of the game? No. And by the way, on the play that, that they got another shot on third down, CBS showed a video of the official running in from the back, stopping the game. Yeah. But it was loud. You couldn't hear the whistle. There were three camera angles of that official running in, blowing the whistle. Had the whistle in his mouth, blowing the whistle, waving his arms. So give me specific examples then, Sean Mirzinski. If, if we're going to pull out the tin hats and go, oh, the NFL wanted the Chiefs to win. I just don't know why we got to go there. I mean, I mean, this is like everyone wants to complain all weekend long yesterday about how, oh, the officials decided all these games <clears throat> and, you know, was were way more involved than they should have been. It's like, dude, like... I don't necessarily agree with everything the guy's saying, but the reality is is that is that Kansas City executed at a higher level yesterday. But I'm not the guy that's going to yeah. sit here and tell you that they're, you know, way better or they're like that's not me. I'm telling you that that yeah, Joe Burrow had an interception, but I'm telling you before T Higgins got hurt, Joe Burrow was bombing down the field. Joe Burrow was in that game. They were in that game and then they fell apart late. And that's what happens in playoff football. And yeah, Eli Apple holding and Osai doing what he did to Mahomes. Like you can't you, you do can't, that stuff. You can't bro. say that Joe Burrow played well when he was 26 of 41. It you that's not playing well. That that's it, it you can't throw two interceptions. That's not playing well. That it, it just isn't. You can't be rated a 70 and have a QBR of 50 and say that you played well. Joe Burrow didn't play well. Mm -hmm. He just didn't execute. And he, yes, T. Higgins went out later in the game, but but it, it, the bigger injury was probably Boyd limping around, frankly. 
But he just didn't. Why is it so hard to say Joe Burrow got outplayed by Patrick Mahomes? Who I think now, we can stop talking about Joe Burrow as the best quarterback in the NFL. All that went out the window. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes is by far the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't even know that there is a that there's a conversation to be had there. I think by far, Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. I, or I excuse mean, me, Patrick Mahomes is by far the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it, it's I think not he close. A, I think he had a great performance. I think playing on one leg like that, I think... You know, what he did playing injured, I think that's, you know, the stuff of legends. I think that's clutch stuff from him for sure. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. That Valdez Scantling had six for 116. And you had all these other guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Tony, like Sky Moore. Like how many of these guys went out hurt? And then he just tunes up Marquez Valdez Scantling. Six for 116 and a touchdown. And the game that Travis Kelsey had... That's the guy we should be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Seven for 78 and a touchdown on eight targets. I mean, he caught seven of eight balls thrown to him. I mean, the guy's unbelievable. I, I just have, I, I, I have a lot of respect for what Kansas City did. Andy Reid, I don't know what else can be said. I really hope that Andy wins another Super Bowl. I don't think it's going to happen. By the way, the, the Eagles are a two-point favorite. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, yeah, I think that... In my opinion, I think the Eagles are going to win that game. Um, the number is oddly low at 49 and a half, so we'll see how all that plays out. But let's get your thoughts on the NFL yesterday. Again, I will just say I thought yesterday was a disappointing day of football. I thought that Eagles-Niners game came apart after Brock hurt, Purdy got hurt. Yeah, um, That Niners defense kept them in the game. I thought it was much closer than the the final score. But I, I yesterday was a was a disappointing day of football, in my opinion. Kenai Johnson first one in. Uh, don't worry, Kenai. We'll get to uh, we'll get to Jazz trade talks. Good morning to you, Gage Carter, who's a member. Good morning to you, uh, Louis Capazzo says morning. How was the weekend? Nah, the weekend was all right. Uh, My Monty fan says yes. Good morning, fellas. Let's get it today. Good morning. Thirteen degrees in Provo. Provo Cougar fan <laughs> said. Yeah, I was 11 in the car this morning. Uh, Teddy Wayman says, morning, guys. What's up, Teddy? Teddy's going to have to come do my shower because mm-hmm. my, uh, my, my master bedroom shower is not well. It's not good. Right now, my grout's coming out. Lee Christensen, what's up? What's up, Maury? Uh, Sean Mirzinski again says, the officiating in the Chiefs game told me all I needed to know. Like what? Like, give me specific yeah. examples. Like what? What are specific examples of how the officials threw the game in favor of the Chiefs. I'd love to understand that. I'd love to understand it. Uh, Kanai says, it's trash talk before the game. You have to love it. Three and one against KC is amazing. Yeah, that's great, except, well, the one loss now is the one that hurts the most. Because you just, if Joe Burrow had played really well, if Joe Burrow had come out and dominated and, man, they just lost on... You know, like even use your example of Dak Prescott. If he had hit somebody in the hands like Jamar, like like the Jamar Chase catch way down the field, yeah, that was a terrible throw. That is a that is a you're throwing in a double coverage, hoping for the best on third and long. And you know what? Hey, it was completed. Jamar made an incredible catch there, but is that really a good throw? If we're being honest, no, it's not. It's a desperation heave on third and long. Right. So, so are you then, let, let me ask you this. So if Joe Burrow plays well, do you think they win this game? If Joe Burrow has a, a, a typical Joe Burrow performance? 
I think they had a better chance of winning the game. I think the, the Bengals' defense was just so unbelievably undisciplined. Uh, Eli, they have got to they have got to replace Eli Apple. Yeah. The guy week in and week out kills them. I mean, how many penalties is Eli Apple going to take just like that one? I, I, I mean, guess, I guess where I come down on this game for Joe Burrows, yeah, he didn't play well, and they still only won by three points. You yeah. only won by three points at Arrowhead, and Joe Burrow had a pretty average performance. So, yeah, you won the game. Yeah, you're going to the Super Bowl. And by the way, yeah, I do hope he wins the Super Bowl. I'm not an Eagles guy. I want Mahomes to win the Super Bowl because I think if he wins this one, now you're starting to push into elite. This would be his second. Now you can kind of see, okay, there's a path to four. There's a path maybe to five. If like, how are we together. so diametrically opposed on this game? I, Joe, It's not that Joe Burrow didn't play well. He got outclassed by Patrick Mahomes. Because you're more interested in talking about that, and I'm more interested in saying, hey, that's great. Yes, he did. He did get outclassed. The reality is, though, it was 2020 with 30 seconds to go. Yeah. So when we get down to it in sports, yeah, Joe didn't play well, 100%. He did not play well. But how much how much better is Patrick Mahomes if he's not hurt? How much better is Patrick Mahomes if, if, yeah. if? Uh -huh. But he was hurt, and he still outclassed Joe Burrow. The, the, the biggest storyline in the game to me is the undisciplined play of that defense. 100%. I, I mean, it is, it, it's just so and I'm unforgivable. I'm not here for dude crying after the game, by the way. You made a choice to hit Patrick Mahomes. Like, and I get it, he didn't crush Patrick, but you pushed him. You committed a penalty. Like, it's it's yeah. black and white. It's clear. Yeah, so many like, people were like, oh, I feel so bad for I don't feel bad for him. Like, how long have you been playing football? You know, and this guy is, what is he, a defensive end, I think? No, or he's a linebacker. He or a linebacker. Like, this, like, you know you can't do that. Like, I, you know. I just don't. I, I don't. I don't care. I mean, you, you, are, you are not a rookie. He's had, I mean, he's had a decent run for them. Like, you you have to be better than this if you're Joseph Asai. I, I, sorry, man. Like, I don't feel bad for him. I don't have any. You could sit there and cry crocodile tears, and you can say, I have to be better. Well, you just, you just wrecked a season for your team. Because if he doesn't commit that penalty, that's a much tougher field goal to make. It was very clear that the football was not traveling off of the foot. Like it, it was going to be, and I think Bucker's an incredible kicker. Totally, but totally. that that penalty absolutely gutted them. Like there, there, you just took the air right out of the building. I, I don't even know how you how else to describe that. Yeah, uh, Luis uh, Luis Capazzo. Why can I not get that right? Luis Capazzo. Joe was sacked three times in the first. Yeah, I finally sat down and watched the game. It was a fun time. There you go. There you go. I mean, Congratulations. Think, you know, you know, on this whole question of like, how was the weekend for football? The 49er game, or, or I guess I should say the Philly game, was boring as hell. Huge for disappointment. Reasons, right? It's not like, that it was boring, but I, I, my point is that was a hugely disappointing game. Yeah. Because you want to talk about ifs, ands, buts. If he doesn't get hurt there, everybody kept saying, well, if Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt, you know, they probably win the game. He, it's not that Brock Purdy got hurt. He got hurt because he got hit. Yeah. It's not like he just had some non-contact or he got hit by Hassan Reddick. That's not an accident. That's not a, well, man, he got, they got pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. Philly was by far the better team. Like it, it is, it's, that's football. Like that game is disappointing because of the outcome and how, you know, how unceremoniously it ended for San Francisco, but 
I got news for you. That's football. It's not like, again, he tripped and fell walking out of the shower, man. Yeah. He got hit by Hassan Reddick. That's Philadelphia being a better defense than San Francisco was in offense. Plain and simple. So I, I, that game was disappointing. Yeah. I just did like the Kansas City game. I hate bad football. I hate bad football. It's why I didn't enjoy the BYU season at all, as a part of example. It's why Cam Rising is so frustrating because you just played bad football. Yeah. Yesterday, there was a ton of really bad football. The, the, that Bengals defense was such a letdown. Such a letdown yeah. out of a really good, what feels like a really good unit. That just was, that was a huge letdown. Uh, if Mahomes had Chase and Higgins, this game would have been a massacre. I would agree with that. He, I mean, they were down quite a few. Kelsey's a stud. I mean, he is becoming now, I think you got to start talking about him as arguably one of the greatest tight ends of the modern era of football. Yeah. I mean, he is, he's remarkable. The way that he plays, That's the way said, he gets I, after it. Look, I think this Super Bowl now that they're going to play, there's a lot on the line for 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 both Kelsey and Mahomes, and obviously Andy Reid. I mean, I think you know you 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 get number two at this stage in your career for for Kelsey and Mahomes, and and again, like I said, you can see a path to four or five. Like you can see a path to you know elite air in football, and to me. You know, these guys, you know, these guys are more than capable of getting there. And frankly, I think the only thing that separates Kelsey from like the Gronks of the world is just winning Super Bowls. That's it. Because I think Kelsey's just as good as Gronk was. Uh, Ron Nolan says, calm the F down, Monty. Like, what do you mean calm down, man? It's the NFL playoffs. If you're not going to get hot about the playoffs in the NFL, what are you going to get hot about? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of controversy uh, as far as opinion is concerned in these two in these two games, and specifically the the KC game. I mean, we we obviously look at this game very differently, but there's no denying the outcome. Yeah, I don't you know, know what, what I, mean? I I don't know what game you want. I I thought Patrick Mahomes was, I thought he was great, and I'm I not thought saying he, was he sucked. I'm not saying he didn't play well. Like, I get it. I, he played on one leg. You just like, got a mouthful of Joe Burrow. I get it. Totally get it. Uh, talking with Raphael <laughs> says, amazing game experience beats you. No, no, that's not what this was. This was not anything about experience or he's been here more. It wasn't it was about experience? Disciplined football out of Cincinnati repeatedly. Patrick yourself, Mahomes made play dude, after play, but, throw after right, throw. But that, that has nothing to do with, with experience, dude. If they oh had played God. a disciplined, clean game, maybe you wouldn't be here. Maybe we'd have a different outcome, but you didn't. You're crazy. You didn't. Patrick Mahomes, that run at the end of the game is experience. The throws that he made, those are experience. The decisions he made, those are experience. I, I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about. That experience played no role here. That's crazy. I totally disagree with you. Uh, Capazzo says, I love tinfoil hats covering smoked meats. They are That are resting. Yes, I agree with that. By the way, I, I had the Papa Murphy's yesterday. Somebody said Papa Murphy's was closed on Sunday. Couldn't be further from the truth. Couldn't be further from the truth. The, the marinara meatball, oh my God. They trust me when I tell you the marinara meatball, they mm -hmm. were open for it yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, Troy Cushing says, good morning, Monty and Jake. Great games this weekend. Okay. Talking with Raphael says it's great experience for Joe 
We will see if he grows from this game, but most importantly, we will see if the Bengals are going to make the adjustments. I think this is a huge moment in time for Joe Burrow because I think he he just underperformed yesterday. I, I don't know how else to... I've seen a lot of football in my life. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks in big situations, and Joe usually performs very well in big situations. He just didn't, he didn't play well yesterday. And the, the, again, I, I don't disagree that the, the defense was a big deal, but what did we learn <coughs> yesterday about the NFL? You have a quarterback or you don't. And I know you guys are tired of hearing me say this. The elite teams have quarterbacks. I look at, again, let's go back to Dak Prescott. I look at Dak Prescott. He's not an elite quarterback. Kellen Moore, we're going to talk about here in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Kellen Moore got whacked as the offensive coordinator. Why? Because I think they're disappointed that Dak threw 15 interceptions. I, I look around this league, and whether it's the beloved Myron and we, the Chicago Bears, or whether it is, look at what happened to the Chargers now. With How much has their fortune changed since Justin Herbert arrived there? Mm -hmm. Whether it's Joe Burrow, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, whether it's Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Look at all these quarterback situations across the NFL. And what you quickly understand is the elite organizations have quarterbacks. Tom Brady leaves New England. How have they done with Mac Jones? They haven't done well. How have the Jets perpetually ruined quarterbacks? Because they're not good at football. Mm-hmm. But then you look at Tommy going to Tampa and what happens? They win a Super Bowl. This is not accidental. This is not. A, a, the one exception that comes to my mind is Russell Wilson. Because now I don't know if it was Russ or if it was Seattle. My guess is we're going to have conversations about Seattle's defense being a little better than we gave him credit for. Mm -hmm. Because he's been terrible in Denver. Now, does that change with Denver making changes on their, their coaching staff? Maybe. But I'm telling you this now, Joe Burrow was, was not the reason that they won the game. You want to make an argument that Joe Burrow wasn't the reason they lost? Okay, I can entertain that. But the one thing I know is Patrick Mahomes is why the Kansas City Chiefs won that game yesterday. Joe Burrow is the reason, in my opinion, one of the big reasons they did not win the game yesterday. Mm -hmm. Pretty plain and simple. I don't know how I mean, I else. I agree with you on that. I mean, Patty is the reason they won the game. I, I mean, I, I will agree with that 100%. I just think we're a little bit different on, you know, what this means for Joe Burrow and like we're like in Well, what in does it mean forward. for Joe Burrow? Like right now what it means for Joe Burrow is yeah, he underperformed in the biggest game of the year. What it means for Joe Burrow is yeah, he's to me he's the second best quarterback in the league right now. Or if you want to make the case that Josh Allen's still better, whatever. Like he's top 3, undeniable. It's these three guys. And right now Patrick Mahomes is number 1. I think there is separation between Patrick Mahomes and everybody else. That The performance okay. that he put yeah. up yesterday, yeah. I, I just don't know how you criticize Patrick Mahomes yesterday. Like the I'm guy not criticizing is, the guy. The guy like, is, I'm not saying you are. The guy is amazing. Yeah. I don't know how you look at that game and you don't say to yourself, Patrick Mahomes is the reason they won that game. His ability to move and throw off of his left foot, I've never seen a quarterback do that. Throw, he was quite literally throwing off of one leg for the last three quarters of that game. He looked fine in the first quarter. The second, third, and fourth quarter, he was throwing off his left foot and doing it quite well. And being, you know, like that, the plays where he made to Kelsey, those quick outs, how can you be that accurate throwing off of the wrong foot? Well, and I think the touchdown to Kelsey, too. I mean, I mean the, it's the unreal. impromptu rolling out to your right, like, you know, flinging that thing, what was that, probably 30-ish yards or so at least. Like, you know, again, the, the guy had a legendary performance. I mean, playing on one leg, you guys understand that a high high ankle sprain is essentially 
damn near like a broken leg, right? Like you're 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 a cup of coffee away from you know having to sit out you know the entire season or whatever. Like so, it was it was a it was a clutch performance, a hundred percent. Yeah. Right. I'm just I'm not the guy that's gonna say that you know that that this like knocks Joe Burrow down you know a bunch of rungs or anything or like I think Joe didn't play well. Really? I think Joe you know, needs to continue to improve. But I'm still taking Joe Burrow over, you know, Dak or Aaron Rodgers or... But that, see, like, that, the difference is that's not the conversation. All of the Joe Burrow apologists that were saying he's the best quarterback in football, and I, I'm telling you, I know we talked about it last week. Yeah. The Burrow head thing was a mistake. It, yeah. it just was the... This cat had not proved anything in the NFL. He's lost the two biggest games he's played in. The two, the Super Bowl and now and I'm not saying it's his fault. Yeah, but he's still But lost. you're the quarterback. Yeah. You lost the game in the Super Bowl and now the AFC Championship. The two biggest games that you've played in the last calendar year, you've lost. Because the regular season, if you're an elite quarterback, you don't care how many games you win in the irregular season. Just get me to the playoffs. Yeah, That's what Tom Brady always talks about. Tom Brady doesn't care what happens in the regular season if they make the playoffs. And it, it I'm just, I'm not the guy. You got to win something before we start naming stadiums after you. Mm-hmm. That's the issue. We got You got to win something before the idiot well, mayor think- goes and blows you up and, yeah. and asks for a DNA test to see if you're Patrick Mahomes' father. I have a proclamation from the desk of the mayor. Like, you're just, you're, you, I get fired up about stuff like this because you, you haven't won anything. And again, I just go back to this idea. Justin Fields, I'll use right. my guy, my quarterback. Right. Justin Fields is not an NFL caliber quarterback yet. He's not. Now, is he going to turn into a pocket passer that's amazing? No, he's never going to. But does Justin Fields ever win a Super Bowl? No, he probably does not, in my opinion. Is Justin Fields a quarterback of the Chicago Bears in three years? No, he's not, in my opinion. I would trade Justin Fields today to draft the top quarterbacks in college football right now. Bryce Young, again, I don't know why Bryce Young was at the Jazz game. I have no idea. (laughs) My point is, Bryce Young is a guy that I want to be the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. You know why? He's a pocket passer. He's mobile. He's got a great arm, and he's wildly intelligent. That's what I want. I don't see that in Justin Fields. You know it when you see it. Is Joe Burrow a really good quarterback? He is. He, he really is. He's, he's mm-hmm. a franchise-level quarterback. Justin Herbert, who I, I, I want to procreate with, he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen ever. Right. Who's never won a damn thing. He's yeah. never won anything. I think the Joe Burrow thing before yesterday was fine right hey you're 3-0 at arrowhead like you 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 have a lot of momentum coming into this game but now that's all changed because you lost the game like i'm like again this whole thing about talking junk i don't have an issue with you talking junk or with what the mayor did if you win the game right like i don't have an issue with it if you win the game but you didn't win the game that's the problem here so now exactly right now we get to sit here on our show and have a conversation about how eli apple's an idiot and how osai committed one of the dumbest penalties i've ever seen and then we get to talk about how joe burrow was rather average yesterday because you know whether you want to say casey you know crushed the offensive line or the offensive line didn't play well whatever it is the reality is they didn't get the job done, and that's what's frustrating to me. I hate 
when 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 guys I actually like because there's so few of them, right? But I hate when when Joe Burrow loses a game yesterday in a mediocre fashion, meaning hey, you didn't play your best game. You like all around in all three phases, the Bengals got outplayed. And so now you're going home. I would have felt much better if you'd have played your best game and still lost. At least then I can say, well, you know, you know, Joe threw for 350 yards and four touchdowns. And, you know, Casey was just better because it's not Burrowhead, it's Arrowhead. Right. right? Like right. I'd have felt a lot better about that. But I just have a bad taste in my mouth because I feel like he didn't get a lot of help on the offensive line. I feel like the defense committed a bunch of dumb penalties. And they just never got going in this game. And yeah, the offensive stuff is on Joe Burrow. Your offense didn't have momentum. You had two big plays, and that was basically it. So yeah, he's got work to do, 100%. But I'm not here for this guy somehow is not, you know, not that you're saying this, but I think a lot of people are overreacting today saying, oh, Joe Burrow's fake or Joe Burrow's not legit. This guy is legit. And I think they as a team just they got to move on from guys like Eli Apple. It has to happen if you want to beat someone like KC. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. I don't mean to belabor the point, but again, I think Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, that group of quarterbacks, I mean, it, it, it they're a cut above guys like Justin Herbert, for instance, because they haven't won anything. Josh Allen and Joe Burrow have gotten their teams to the playoffs. They just have not won a Super Bowl yet. Patrick yeah. Mahomes has gotten his team to the playoffs, repeatedly playing for a conference championship, winning a Super Bowl, and now going back to the Super Bowl again. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the Cincinnati Bengals have that organization that can absorb a loss like this you guys and remember, just get right back to it. You guys remember when Tom Brady went to Arrowhead and beat Patty? And everyone's like, well, hey, you know what? That's Tom. No, 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 you know, no, no sweat off Pat's back, right? Like Tom was just better that day. That's what I wish we were able to talk about today. I wish we were able to say, man, like you played your best game and you just, you just got, you just. That's what you'd like. Yeah, that's what I would like. But it's just, I get frustrated because it's like, dude, like, man, like I know that, that, you know, you had some injuries in your wide receiver core, but it's not like Pat was healthy. It's not like they were healthy. Like no one's healthy. So it's just tough, dude. It's, it's really in, in. I, I do think that this is the greatness of NFL playoff football where yeah. where you have these storylines and legacy and like there's so much here. Yeah, I, I just think it's it's pretty amazing. Uh Sean Mirzinski says the PI in the fourth should have been called Chiefs were holding all game. Hey, everybody holds all game. Yeah. I holding you could call holding on literally every play. This is the LeBron and we're gonna get into this LeBron officiating thing. Yeah. Josh Loverin last night, I, I, I was talking about how the officials in the NBA, I mean, there's got to be repercussions. They, they issue this apology, whatever. And Josh Loverin comes in and is like, oh, well, LeBron traveled on the play. First of all, no, he didn't travel. Second of all, what has that got to do with the fact that Jason Tatum fouled LeBron and they didn't call it? <laughs> and then immediately issued an apology and talked about how bad that call was. Mm. What's that got to do? Everybody in the NFL holds. Is it holding if they don't call it? It's not. Is it traveling if they don't call it? It's not. Not that LeBron traveled on that play, but in the NFL, you could call holding on the offensive line every single time. Yeah. Every single time. Um, he said the Chiefs were holding all game. Even on the last play, there was a blatant hold that they missed on the Mahomes hit, which I agree with. Uh, that was a fair call. Holding in the NFL, it's every game. Yeah. 
It's every game. You cannot call it every single time. It's not whether people are holding or not. Just so we're clear, they hold on every play. It's how egregious is the hold. There's yes. a line. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Lopes Van Gabe says, bad take guy will always make officials part of the conversation, whether it's warranted or not. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It, 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 it was not one play that kept Kansas City in position to win this game. Yeah. It, it was not. It was that Joe Burrow didn't execute and the defense continued to blow its feet off. It, it really is that simple because you had a Kansas City offense that didn't have its weapons. Like Pacheco was probably their most valuable weapon outside of Kelsey, mm -hmm. who made big play after big play, right? You had a Mahomes on one leg. You had a receiving core without its best receivers. So the game was only this close because, in my opinion, Joe didn't execute and the defense just was so dumb. I mean, the 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 holding call on Eli Apple is unforgivable. And he knew what he was doing. Un and like to like, reach around a guy's shoulder pad like that. There are ways to to hold in the NFL and not get called. Like the PI on the sideline there. That's clearly pass interference. One, you were there two steps before the football was. Mm -hmm. Two, you had your hand on the guy's waist with the official looking directly at you. They are reflexive. That's a reflexive penalty. They and what that means is, hey, the guy like on the offensive line, a reflexive holding call is you're in, you're outside the guy's pads, right? Like you're not here as an offensive lineman. You need to be inside. You're outside. Reflexive. The the official sees that the jersey is being pulled. That he's going to throw the flag. Yeah. They don't think about time. They think about what they're seeing. And it's by the way, it's an incredibly tough game to officiate the NFL. So. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Capasso says, talking about food, I cooked a chuck roast on the pit boss yesterday. Very tasty. I, I, boy. Chuck roast sounds great. Chuck roast sounds great. Uh, Tyler P says, Mahomes couldn't run and had zero receiving help other than Kelsey and still won. Because he's the, that's the difference. Guys like Patrick Mahomes will will their teams to victory. Guys like Joe Burrow aren't ready to do that yet because it's not his team. Mm-hmm. It's not his team. And that's why when you hear when you hear things like Burrowhead, and that's fun and it's 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 unique and you don't say that before the game. You yeah. beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead and then you say it, you call it Burrowhead. Yeah. For my money, that I, I just think that's the way you gotta do it. Kanai says uh if trash talk before the game, you have to love it. Three one against the Chiefs is amazing. It is. Three one's great. Except now you've you've not all the games are created equal. That's the problem. This is you know this is the AFC Championship game, and that was like week two, bro. Like, come on. Yeah, I, I yeah I don't you know that's just me though. I, that's why I say uh, no, Lewis Jordan didn't push off. Okay. Uh, overall, the Bengals defense played well until the latter part of the game. I, okay. I don't, are we all watching the same game? Am I just way off on this game? And I'm open to the idea I'm just way off on this game. I don't think the Bengals' defense played well in any phase of this football game. Yeah, I think, I think you know, you have to define well because I don't think they played well. I mean, I they, think, they, you know. they didn't even cover. Did you see the kick coverage at the end of the game? <laughs> Again. Like, I mean, there are, so, there are so many examples of, of hero football on that Bengals' defense. All you have to do is stay in your lane. 
Do you understand now in the NFL that covering kicks is is a, a position battle? Because you're not allowed to really run a wedge, so there's no blowing a bunch of guys off the line. Like The Bengals' defense, in my opinion, did not play well at, at, for any long stretch of this game. For any long stretch of the game. Like You always had the belief that Kansas City was going to convert on third and long. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I I don't know, man. I just, I, I, hey, maybe I'm wrong about this. I'm totally, I don't, look, I don't think, I'm here for that. Listen, I don't think that you're you're wrong. I, I think that people look at this game in different ways. Like, just the same way that, you know, we disagree slightly on Burrow and, like, you know, what happened and how this game kind of panned out. There's no denying that the defense and really the team in all three phases did not play well. Like, like the, the return is a great example. Yeah. You can't have that in that situation. You can't have the Chiefs get what? What was that? 30 yards extra at least? I, I don't know the exact number, but that's a massive like if they don't get that return, the Patty Mahomes run and penalty never happens. Never happens. It never happens. And and the shame in it is not only did you have the return, then you commit the penalty. So why don't you just put a bow on that present you just gift wrap and hand it off? Because that's what you did. And that's yeah, and why I, it's so frustrating. I see people going back to that third and nine call. The play never happened. Yeah. There are multiple shots of the, the back judge coming in, waving his arms, blowing the whistle, but nobody could hear it because Burrowhead was so loud. <clears throat> they, it, the officials did not screw the Bengals. The Bengals put the officials in a position that they have to blow the whistle. <laughs> it, I, I, yeah. 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 I, I feel like I'm 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 fighting, and I don't know why I'm fighting. I I that's just my opinion, you know. I mean, uh, I, I, yeah. Anyway, all yeah. right. Uh, Twelve minutes from now, we'll talk Utah Jazz basketball. Don't forget, all of our football talk on this show is presented by Barbecue Pit Stop, BBQPitStop.com. Dude, I did it again Saturday. I made I made arguably arguably the best breakfast I have had in years in years. I had asado scrambled eggs and asado pork chops that were, oh man. And I'm a huge pork chop guy. I had forgotten about it. <laughs> and then I rolled into Harmon's the other day and they had these pork chops that were just off the bone, nice fat, like looked really good. Broke those open, put a little olive oil on my pan to coat it, poured the asado in before I put the pork chop in the pan, let the oil in the asado coagulate. Yeah. You drop that pork chop into a nice hot pan, really, really injects that flavor into there. Like it was unbelievable. Scramble the eggs with more asado seasoning. You toast up that English muffin and it was just, <gasps> dude, it was divine. It was uh, asado eggs. I, yeah, bomb. I'm telling you, it is so good. Yeah. Mm. Asado seasoning, if you have not got the, the flavor knuckles asado seasoning, from Barbecue Pit Stop yet. I, I just don't know why you hate yourself. Why do you hate yourself? Like, what is the issue here, man? <laughs> BBQPitStop.com. BBQPitStop.com. Or go to any of their five Utah locations. Leighton Lehigh, Logan, St. George the Jeezy, or, of course, our good friends on State Street and Murray. Uh, all five of their locations. They all have meat counters. And, again, anytime you hear the words Barbecue Pit Stop, Best equipment in barbecue. Yeah. By far. Barbecue pit stop, seasonings, rubs, sauces. They've got the best of the best. I'm telling you right now, that's why you go to barbecue pit stop. Football 50 and 60 seconds, where we hear about a uh, my guy, 
getting arrested over the weekend. Uh, Tyler P says, guys, stop with the refs. Holy hell, the Bengals played bad. They yeah. did. Yeah. They did. They they played very poorly. Um, let's see. Ron Nolan says the whistle clearly affects the game. In some cases, determines the outcome. Not not in this game. No. Not in this game. And you want to look at the Lakers-Celtics game? The officials blew that game. The Lakers won that game, and it was stolen from them. The Cincinnati Bengals played terrible football, undisciplined football. That's why they're not going to the Super Bowl. Had nothing to do with the officials in that game. Uh, Tanner says you can't blame that on inexperience, Brandon. They did make the Super Bowl last year, right? But you had a linebacker at the end of a game lose his emotional composure and hit a quarterback that was two and a half yards out of bounds. You know my real problem With the was? game on the line. Dude, you know my real problem was? If you're going to hit Mahomes, get your money's worth. Yes. Don't yes. put a finger on him and then let him, you know, like, like you barely touched him. But it doesn't matter because and, that's Mahomes out of bounds. And you injured your knee doing it. Oh, dude, bro. I, I like, are you buddy, kidding me? I thought Buddy was like not going to be able to walk, and then he walks back. Like I couldn't believe that. Yeah, and then everybody's like, oh, look at him crying on the bench. You got to feel terrible for him. <laughs> no, I don't because you're mentally weak, and you are inexperienced, and you lost your composure. <laughs> I could say that of probably about 10 players on that team. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Final comment on this. Uh, happy for Quinn to get a shot at the Super Bowl. Which Quinn? What do you mean? Like Quinn Snyder? He's a he's a basketball coach, Brandon. What yeah. Do you, I mean, what do you? I'm kidding. I joke. All right. Football 50, 10 of the hour. Every hour on the Monty Show is presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. And again, I just tell you, man, I had the marinara meatballs yesterday. Unbelievable. Like they were so good. You know, the problem is my plan every time is to chop the meatball up and put it on my pizza. Cause I, of course I got the traditional crust, the barbecue sauce, extra onion. Oh my God, the, the herb, yeah. the herb seasoning. Oh yeah. my God, off the chain, extra mushrooms. And I'm like, all right, I'll dice up the meatball. Never make it because the meatballs are so good. I just, I just eat the meatballs, man. It's so good. And then today I'll go home and have leftover Papa Murphy's pizza. So good. So good. Make sure you use the promo code MOTC25 to save 25% off your purchase of 25 doll hairs or more. A really interesting story about Stetson Bennett, the now former Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett. Um, Dallas police got a call about somebody banging on a door in an affluent neighborhood in Dallas. Saturday, early, early Saturday morning. Turns out it was Stetson Bennett, who, according to police, was drunk in public, which is what he was arrested for. Stetson Bennett banging on a man's door at 7.10 in the morning. Overnight, Saturday into Sunday, 7.10 in the morning, you're drunk in a Dallas neighborhood banging on somebody's door. Yeah. My man had tied one on. Which is surprising because didn't everybody say he's 25 years old and he's an old man? And it's a little surprising out of Stetson Bennett. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, it, it's very much out of left field. I, I, I didn't take Stetson for the guy who, you know, goes on a rager all night and then wants to knock on people's doors. Like that, that, I didn't, when I, when I heard Stetson, I didn't think of that. Like that didn't, I don't equate the two. Yeah, so. no, the, the worst part about this is. What this does is it damages Stetson Bennett. Like, if you think about 
Baker Mayfield or yeah. Johnny Mansell, who are two guys that had similar issues, right? We know Bake got tackled by the police. And the problem here is, is you're not a 20-year-old college kid. You're a 25-year-old grown-ass adult. And I think this shows that you are an immature 25-year-old. And I think, man, that is so bad for Stetson Bennett. If I was an NFL team, I, I think I would probably take him off my board. Honest to goodness, because you're 25. I expect you to behave like you're 25, not 20. Yeah. If you're a 20-year-old kid and you're banging on a frat house door or whatever, or you're just asleep on a park bench or something stupid like that, like, okay. Yeah. College 20, kid. Like, we get it. Little too much PBR. Like, we get it. You're a 25-year-old man. That's the problem with this yes. one. Uh, problem for Kellen Moore in Dallas is that he stayed in Dallas too long because Kellen Moore fired by the Cowboys. Oh, I'm sorry. They mutually agreed to part company. Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys, fired over the weekend. Mike McCarthy will call plays, yet he's going to get the job in, in, in Los Angeles for the Chargers, who already requested permission to interview him before he mutually parted company right. with the Cowboys. Right. I think this is a huge move for Kellen Moore. I think this is a big upgrade. I'd remind you, please go look at the Dallas Cowboys offense under Kellen Moore when you're top four. Four out of the five years he was the offensive coordinator. Kellen Moore is not the problem in Dallas, and I think he's absolutely going to help my guy, the sex machine, yeah. Justin Herbert, in, in San Diego, who plays in the Ram Stadium in Los Angeles. I think this is a big step up for Kellen Moore. Yeah, and the reality of the situation is Dallas is just one step closer to firing Mike McCarthy. I mean, let's just be honest. Like, okay, you moved on from an OC who had you fourth best offense in the league. So right there, if I just said that, you'd be like, well, why'd they move on from the guy? That's precisely my question too, right? And you're moving on from him because you're not ready to fire Mike McCarthy because you fired coach after coach. But I'm telling you now, this is make or break for Mike McCarthy. Yeah. If you're going to have fathead call plays, <laughs> you better win. You better win. Like, it, it is It is that simple. It's all on Mike now. It's all on Mike McCarthy. Period, point blank, end of story. They're going to win or lose with Mike McCarthy. Yeah. I believe that they will probably be very similar to the same team because I think Mike McCarthy's an offensive genius. But they have got to remake that roster and that salary cap. Yes. And he may be a casualty for that. Honest to goodness, he may pay the price for that more than anything. Uh, Adam Schefter, ESPN. NFL Insider says that the Green Bay Packers are ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers and his $59 million cap number. Dude, come on. But see, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is ready to move on from the Green Bay Packers. Remember he said this on PMS Live. I think you, when you say never, things happen that you say never to. So, um, listen, I came back uh, and, and really wanted to finish my career in Green Bay. Do I still think I can play? Of course. Of course. Can I play at a high level? Yeah. The highest. I think I can win MVP again in the right situation. Um, Right situation, is that Green Bay or is that somewhere else? I'm not sure. Um, but I don't think you should shut down any, you know, opportunity. Like I said, during the season, it's got to be, you know, both uh, both sides, uh, you know, like actually wanting, you know, to work together moving forward. And uh, I think there's, you know, more conversations to be had. 
both sides actually wanting to work together and move forward? Well, according to Adam Schefter, that's not what the Packers want. They want to get rid of Aaron Rodgers, who also told Pat McAfee Live, by the way, that uh, on Aaron Rodgers Tuesday on the Pat McAfee right. Show, uh, that he would also take a pay cut. He's got a $59 million cap hit. Even if they trade him in the summer, he's still going to cost him fifteen million bucks not to play there. Yeah. So we'll see. I I don't know. Uh, I think it's the price you pay for having Aaron for so long. And look, I don't. I, I understand the guy is. The, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, there's a certain prestige that comes with that, and there's a certain level of performance. But at the same time, I don't think your football team is healthy. I, like in terms of organization, money, setup. Like. You got you got to you got to refresh that. You got to retool the quarterback position. Make sure you use the promo code Monty25 after you download the Papa Murphy's Pizza app. I did it yesterday morning. Put that order in it. I'm sitting on my bag getting ready to go work out. Mrs. Monty's like, "Hey, it's football. We got to get Papa Murphy's." I'm like, "Done, dude." Ordered it at 6 about 6:10 yesterday morning for a 12:30 pickup cuz they don't open till noon on Sunday. Picked it up at 12.20, ready to rock and roll. Got the pizza, got the marinara meatball. Have you had the marinara meatball yet? At Papa Murphy's, we do more than just pizza. We do meatballs and marinara. Papa Murphy's does meatballs? Oh, oh, I think you mean I do the meatballs and marinara? And how do you do it, Dad? How do I do it? How do I do it? Well, we do it with savory ground beef covered in tangy marinara. That's how, honey. At Papa Murphy's, we make great pizza. And don't forget the meatballs. Order now at PapaMurphy's.com. Indeed you do. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. And please, I'm telling you, make sure you get the marinara meatball, man, because it is absolutely amazing. Let's get a couple more comments here. Uh, on Aaron Rodgers, Tyler P says Rodgers is going to the Raiders. Eh, I think Tom Brady's more likely to the Raiders. I think Aaron Rodgers. I could see Aaron Rodgers going to Tampa. I could see Aaron Rodgers. I this New York Jets conspiracy theory about Aaron Rodgers is very interesting <laughs> because it doesn't make a lot of sense for Aaron Rodgers to go to the New York Jets. That's not a team that's on the precipice of competing for an AFC championship. It, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, I could see him going and replacing Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow's just not a good quarter, quarterback. <laughs> anyway, my point is, is a. A. Right I now. could see Aaron Rodgers going to a place that's a quarterback away. I, frankly, right now, I could see Aaron Rodgers going to San Francisco. That makes a lot of sense to me because I think Brock Purdy, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm the 49ers, I need a proven guy now. Yeah, like I can't 100%. be playing my fourth string quarterback in a in a NFC championship game. And for everything that Aaron Rodgers is not, which would include an NFC champion anytime in the last eighty-six years. Um, real. You know, I think they won that Aaron Rodgers Super Bowl while Fathead was wearing a leather helmet. Right. Um I am not a Mike McCarthy fan, but it's what? Uh, my point is my point is I could see Aaron Rodgers going to the 49ers. I could not see him going to the Raiders. I that that would that feels awkward to me. Eric and Raleigh says Aaron Rodgers wants to do anything he wants to do, and the Packers coaching staff said no. I agree with that. Yeah, they need to move on, and not to belabor the point, but again, good teams make good quarterback decisions. Bad teams, like the Packers have been, make bad quarterback decisions, and it's not a bad is a strong word. Mediocre teams like the Green Bay Packers 
make bad quarterback decisions. Yeah. You've been mediocre because you let Devontae Adams go. You've been mediocre because you've been spending all this bread on Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers hasn't been what's right about the, the Green Bay Packers for five years. And, and I know we've talked about it ad nauseum on this show. He's been mediocre for five years. Oh, MVPs. What does an MVP matter? Well, to Aaron Rodgers, I think it matters a lot. Problem is to the Packers, it doesn't mean a damn thing. Yeah. What it means is he makes more money and you don't win Super Bowls. Right. They need to move on from Aaron Rodgers. Period, point blank. Again, not to argue with you again, Jared Goff's not a Super Bowl caliber quarterback for Detroit. You want to win a quarter, you want to win a Super Bowl? Go get an elite quarterback. Mm -hmm. The Chicago Bears will never win until they get an elite quarterback, which to let this sink in. The Chicago Bears have never had the best quarterback in the NFL. Not one single time. Yeah. Not one time. Go back through their history. Show me where they've had the best quarterback. Show me where they've, other than Walter Payton, when have they had the best running back? Um, when have they had the best wide receiver? When have um, they, they haven't. And that's why they've, they've been so just plain and simply bad. It's why Detroit's been bad. It's why the Bengals had been bad. And then you know. what turned the Bengals around? Well, Carson Palmer and now Joe Burrow. Joseph Lee Burrow. That's what turned the Bengals around. What has turned Tampa around? Tom Brady. This is not rocket science. Yet so many NFL teams can't get it right. Yeah. Can't get it right. Eric and Raleigh says, I want Aaron Rodgers sponsored ayahuasca pizza from Papa Murphy's. <laughs> Let me know how that works for you. Uh, Brandon Butler says, Brock Purdy is the Jeremy Lin of the NFL. Nice story. Won't be in the league long. I disagree. Well, we're about to find yeah. out. Well, yeah. Let's see what this MRI comes up with. Because if he's got a ruptured ulnar collateral ligament in his throwing elbow, his career is probably done. Because you don't come back from that. And he would have to come back after that surgery and play elite level football. Because the 49ers are not going to hang around and wait for Brock Purdy's elbow. No. They're not going to do that in my opinion. Boyd Lake says the Packers don't want to send AR to the NFC. They don't have a choice. He's going to make $59 million. If Aaron Rodgers was smart, he would not renegotiate his contract. Not until he got traded. And then you renegotiate it. Make them cut you. Make them cut you. Because nobody's trading for a $59 million cap hit. Yeah. Nobody. So Aaron Rodgers is in control here, not the Packers. Yeah. Because if he reports to the Packers next year, they owe him $59 million. It's guaranteed in his contract. He's getting $59 million unless he chooses to renegotiate that. Yeah. So, you know. San Diego State says, and Tom Brady to the Raiders is not awkward. Oh, it's awkward. But I think <laughs> I, the thing is, look at how Tom is, has, has transformed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. From... Back to to sticky fingers crab guy, or Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston, thank you. You forgot that Jameis Winston was a buck. Like you leave all that behind when Tom Brady shows up, and you're you're contending for the playoffs every year. You're contending for a soup. The, the expectation went from he's going to steal crabs at the Publix to we're going to win a Super Bowl. Do you understand how transformative a talent like Tom Brady, even at sixty three years old, Tom Brady? is still a transformer. He's not 63. That's right, T. But <laughs> even Tommy, at this late Tommy. stage of his career, transforms the expectation. Yeah. So you understand why the Raiders would go and get him. You put Tom Brady on the same roster with Devontae Adams, you don't think you're a better football team. Dilly, dilly. Dilly, dilly. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on, man. That's how I view it. I, I don't know. I, 
I am very, very, very heavily married to the quarterbacks in the NFL. Because I just think the Trent Dilfer, Trent Dilfer Super Bowls are so rare. Mm-hmm. They are so rare. I more point to mediocre quarterbacks collapsing under the... Donovan McNabb. Everybody wants to, to say, oh, Donovan McNabb's an elite quarterback. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, that was really cool, him throwing up on the field at the Super Bowl. <clears throat> I mean, that was unbelievable. I mean, the way that he was able to projectile the chunky vomit through the face mask, yeah. that's elite-level wow. stuff, man. Yeah. Just diagnosing what the face mask is trying to do to your stream of vomit. I mean, that's the stuff of legends. It's internal. You see what I'm saying? Like, how many, how many of these guys do we have to point to? Like, the funny thing is, I can tell you exactly what's wrong with football teams, the quarterback. I can tell you exactly what's right about the Kansas City Chiefs, the quarterback. Why didn't Carson Wentz get the the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl because he's always hurt and then, you know, Nick Foles. Um, you just need it. Nick Foles is a brutally average quarterback. All you needed was a guy to make a throw or two. <laughs> now you have Jalen Hurts, who's injured, clearly not the same guy, but doing more than enough to get you there. Yeah. Look at the like, – when you have the, the caliber of wide receiver, they just throw the ball up and let Devontae Smith go get it. Yeah. Do you know how many teams don't have a quarterback who understands that? Just don't come out here and kick us in the nuts repeatedly. That's all I'm asking you to do, Justin Fields. Just don't turn around and take that spike and put it through my bag repeatedly. <laughs> but so many quarterbacks do it. Yeah, they do. I mean, that that sounds kind of graphic. Do, you, you know. I mean. Uh, uh, you know. You know. Uh, Brandon Butler says, Tom is smart enough to choose a contender. He's not going to choose the Raiders. Are the Raiders a contender without Tom Brady? Probably not. But you also got to remember, Josh McDaniels was his offensive coordinator for all those Super Bowls. That's not yeah. nothing. That's not nothing to me. So, and all of a sudden, when Tom Brady's there, now I'm going to go ahead and say that you can spend a little more on your defense. What's up, big bro? Because he makes people better. Yep. Um, Tanner Plummer says, I agree with you. McNabb wasn't elite, but he also wasn't mediocre. He was good, very good. He was not very good. He was not very good. Uh, Ron Nolan says the backlighting of that vomit toss was like a golden stream of bat pit parking. In, okay. <laughs> you know. Okay. Uh, I'm just okay. saying. Uh, final comment on this. According to Track, if the Packers cut Rodgers before June 1st, the dead cap hit is, well, because then you're on the hook for both years. Bro. So that's why they have to wait until the summer to either trade or cut him. Bro. Yeah, it's Dude. a huge, but again, and I'm not trying to tell you as Tanner loves when I do this, I'm not trying to tell you how right I am all the time or that I'm super sexy because I am and I am, right? I mean, those are just right, facts of the right, case. Right, right, We warned you when Tom Brady signed that contract, they would come back to regret it because they're not going to win with him. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, I'm sorry. I said Tom Brady. You're not going to win with Aaron Rodgers signing Where that contract. Where is right now? Like, Oh, he won two MVPs, though. He wasn't worth the money. Tell me today, while he won two MVPs, though, you really think Aaron Rodgers earned that contract? You think yeah, he's, I've been immunized. You think he's lived up to that contract? You truly believe that? No, he hasn't. No. No, he hasn't. No. No, he hasn't. Anyway. All right. Woo! I feel better. How about that for, for 70 minutes of power NFL fighting? Yes. The Monty Show is presented by our good friends at The Advocates, theadvocates.com. Good morning. Have you been to theadvocates.com yet? Just do me a favor. Go to theadvocates.com. 
and just check out their website, no matter where you are. By the way, by the way, and I promised, I promised him I would do this. Um, we ran into a guy in the, I had an awkward bathroom moment yesterday at Harmon's. <laughs> oh my God. Um, <laughs> my guy, Brandon in the pisser at Harmon's. <laughs> just stop right there. <laughs> Look, I like talking to people. I really do. I really do. I like talking to people. And this was a 12-second interaction. I am standing at the urinal taking a leak. Right. So I got the boys in my hand, right? But you're not pants down your ankles, guy. At the, no. At the, you're not that no. I had worked out, so I had on like a sweatshirt, a vest, uh, and some shorts some yeah. nike shorts okay okay fire ass pair of jays you know like the normal right and so he comes out of the stall in the bathroom in Harmons. he's like oh are you monty hey guys and what i wanted to say and i didn't say is hey man let me go ahead and put big boy away <laughs> then we can talk about this man Donnie, you're out of your element <laughs> so there's two it, it, i'm at the Harmons at district the bathroom's up front there's two urinals in this stall off to the yeah right. yeah and I, I, with all due respect, dude was putting one down in the stall. Because <laughs> it was unpleasant in the room. Oh, my God, dude. But he comes out of the bathroom. He comes out of the bathroom. He's like, oh, hey, are you Monty? I'm like, yep, that's me. And so, you know, I finished, I finished, you know, putting lemonade into the plumbing system. Right, and right. I, you know, I strapped back up and stuff. Right, right. And he's like wanting to shake hands. I'm like, nah, dude, not here, not now. <laughs> right? I... <laughs> And so he goes and washes his hands. He's like, I love the show. You guys are great. And he said something at the end. He's like, can you help me with my girlfriend too? Thanks so much. I love the show. Ooh. I was like, all right, man. Peace out. That was it. It was an awkward. Now I'm not shaking. Listen, I so usually. So when you didn't shake the hand, was the energy awkward at that point? Uh, no, it wasn't. He went right into, I love the show. and Just not in the bathroom, man. Not in the bathroom. <laughs> like, I appreciate you shouting it out. I appreciate you shouting it out. That's an awesome story. Brandon Butler's like, it wasn't me, dude. I, I, I Trust yeah, me, I yeah. know. <laughs> trust me, I know. So Mike Maples says, just give me hard knocks in San Francisco if Brady or Rodgers is there. I, I think San Francisco is a great landing spot for Aaron Rodgers. I do. I, I mean, yeah. I played at Cal. Like, I think that would be a huge get for them. Yeah. And then if you're really ballsy, you really want to win a Super Bowl, bring back Jimmy G to be your backup. Because you don't have a backup quarterback right now. You, you just don't. So that, but that's just me. Yeah, Christopher, I agree. In the bathroom, not good. Nope. And I, again, we say hello to people all the time. Like we had so many people come up to us at the Grizzlies on Saturday, like Friday night, Saturday. Like I'm all here for it. I love talking to you guys. Not when I got the, it's in my hand. I'm, what am I supposed to do with that? Uh, you know. You know um, it's fine. It's fine. And, uh, it's fine. San Diego State says, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> 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 See, it all kind of works together. You, you know. know. All right. Uh, theadvocates.com. Go and go hit up. The, I, I, the reason that came to mind is I almost hurt myself trying to get out of that bathroom. Uh, theadvocates.com. Um, no matter where you are. Uh, big shout out to all of our listeners in Las Vegas, which is a market that is somehow, some way exploding for us right now. Love you guys in Vegas. Love you guys in Phoenix. Of course, our home is Salt Lake City. Uh, love you guys here as well. All of you hit it. By the way, Boise, 
Boise, what's up, Stephen Boise, with the DM on Twitter Let's yesterday go. during the game, telling me I was stupid and didn't know what I was talking about. Um, um, you know, DMs are open, bro. Um, um, <laughs> so what's up, Boise? Good to, well, not good to see you, but sometimes. People are misinterpreting what I'm saying. It's occasionally good to see you and not really ever. No, it's not. Anyway, Boise, what's up? Um, <laughs> theadvocates.com. Uh, chat with an attorney live online, 24 7 at theadvocates.com. Let's talk Utah Jazz basketball. I believe their season's over. Uh, they don't play for like a month. Well, Wednesday they play again. It just feels incredible that the Utah Jazz do not play until Wednesday. Yeah. Um, when they host Toronto to kick off this long homestand here. How do you feel about the Jazz at this point? You know, it's we're damn near in February now. It's January 30th. You know, Wednesday's February 1st. Like, how are you guys feeling about the the Utah Jazz? Because one of the things I thought was so interesting. I am not a fan of starting Olenek and Walker Kessler together. Uh-huh. I'm not a fan of that. I would far more rather start Jared Vanderbilt and, and Walker Kessler together. That'd be my four or five combo. I'm not a guy that believes you should be starting Kelly. I just, I don't value Kelly at that level. Now, I believe it's because they're trying to trade Kelly Olenek and they, and they, have, they have the opportunity to do that. I think that's why you continue to start him because you don't want to hurt his value. But I think in the long term... The Utah Jazz have made the exact right decision here, making it clear Will Hardy the other day said that Walker Kessler will be his starter at the five for the rest of the season, which is exactly the right thing to do, mainly because, well, we've been calling for him to be the starter for the rest mm -hmm. of the year on this show. So I think that's absolutely the right thing to do. But, it, you know, if, if, if I had to take your pulse of it, how, how, would you, how would you describe the first half of the season for the Jazz? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been successful. That's what I think. I think that the Jazz have done exactly what they what they needed to do and then some I, you know again and i'm just going to keep saying this let's not forget what the expectations were heading into the season you know when when you when you have most of the fan base saying we're going to tank for vw and we're going to be awful and it's going to be a long year and it turns out it's not so bad is it because you're you're this team that's competing for a spot in the play-in and and you're not tanking for vw and i think that on its own right there before we even get into the trade stuff or any of the you know front office activities, just the fact that you're competing for a play-in spot, I think is huge. I think that that you know firstly sends a message that the the organization is committed to winning. I know they're not winning at a high level this year, but it's only year one, right? You, you you've just come out of you know tearing the organization down with the Don and the Rudy trade. Like there's been a lot of change, as you all know. So to me, it's like. I feel like they've had a pretty good season so far. Yes, there's been ups. Yes, there's been downs. But in the big picture, I, I would say the pulse of this team right now is they're having a good season for what they have to work with. And and again, the trade deadline's really going to define what this second half is going to look like. Well, and I also think on this Mike Conley story, I do think they're going to trade Mike Conley. They, they I, I will again tell you, I think Dallas is, is the most aggressive suitor for Mike Conley. I've heard that repeatedly. And I, I think that he either winds up with the, the Mavericks. I'd be surprised if it was, at this point, the Lakers or the Clippers. Um, but I think those are really the only three options for him if the Jazz want to maximize their return. Um, I think Luka Doncic has made it very clear. He, he believes that they need to add um, a, a, a guy that can take him off the ball occasionally. He needs somebody that can run an offense and hit a three. 
uh, because Luka's getting double and triple team right now because he's having a sensational season. And I think Mike Conley is a guy that is very much desired by Dallas. Um, I think that the bigger issue in Los Angeles is this thing with with the Clippers. Like, they're, they're a pretty good team when they're all together. They just don't have a floor general at the point guard spot. And I think that is clearly their weakness. I'd put them at number two. Um, I don't think that, you know, there's a lot of people who point to Fred Van Vliet as a guy that's a good fit in LA. I don't, I don't personally believe that. And it was pointed out to me the other day by an NBA source who was telling me, Hey, the Clippers are not in a spot to extend Fred Van Vliet. And I think I would agree with that salary cap wise. I think the Clippers are in a very interesting place. And I'll be curious to see how long can you keep this team together at this caliber of player? Because their depth is no longer good enough. They need to add somebody they can count on. Now, obviously, that's an issue with Mike Conley, and I think the Clippers are well aware of the fact that he's a guy that's injured a lot. But the Jazz have done a really good job managing his minutes, keeping him healthy, keeping him fresh. And I think Mike's playing some really good basketball right now, Thanks. which is why there's a lot of value in, 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 his, in his game right now. I think Dallas, again, is the most aggressive team from what I've been told on Mike Conley. But I would not be surprised to see him. Him, I would not be surprised to see Mike move. I'd be more surprised at this point if the Utah Jazz do not trade Mike Conley than if, if he were to be here after the deadline. I'd be, I'd be really surprised by that because we only have now, what, 11 days until the NBA trade deadline. It's a week from Thursday. Yeah. And I'd really expect business to pick up next weekend. I mean, like, this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'd really expect some business to start getting done in this league because you're just out of time now. And as we talked about last week on the show, I, I think there are not a lot of sellers at this deadline. I think there is a, an exceptional amount of buyers, a lot of teams that believe they're at the level or above, and they want to add a guy like a Mike Conley. Dallas knows Luka Doncic is doing this on his own. I think the bigger issue in Dallas is what do they have to offer you 1v1? And I don't know that there's a deal 1v1 to be done um, with Dallas and the Utah Jazz. I know factually, though, that the Knicks, the Jazz, and the, and the Mavericks could make a deal happen. I mean, Reggie Bullock's a guy that I think is, is very much in demand around the league as well. And that's why Dallas becomes this very interesting team at the NBA trade deadline because I don't believe they're sellers, but I also don't believe necessarily that they're buyers. I think it's going to be it's going to be very interesting to watch Dallas operate here because I don't think and I I think they don't think. They don't believe that they're championship contenders today. The question is do they want to spend the bread to become one? And if they do, I think you're going to see them make a significant deal. And one of the guys that's been talked about there is is Julius Randle because he's playing at an exceptionally high level. The question is, do the Knicks have an appetite to change their roster now? Mm -hmm. Because they're having a good, not great season, right? They're a playoff team. I think this James Dolan stuff from last week is... Facial recognition. ...is a very awkward thing for the New York Knicks right now. Do they want to push for a championship now? A lot of NBA people believe that Leon Rose is trying to get his financial house in order for this summer. Uh -huh. which makes a lot of sense because you're not going to make a transformative deal now. Is Julius Randle that guy? I don't know. I think he's playing the best power forward in the NBA right now. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, just well, my and opinion. I thought the best point you made there is, is about the reality of life in the market right now, that there are a ton of buyers and not a ton of sellers. So, like, you look at someone like Leon Rose or you look at the fellows in Dallas, like, you look at some of these teams and you're like, 
all right, yeah, you're this team that's that's pretty good, pretty solid team, winning basketball team so far this year. But the problem is, is you've never really been, you know, full send team at the deadline. Meaning, all right, we're we need to create like in Dallas, we got to create a championship starting five around Luca. How are we going to go about doing that? And what does that look like? I like Mike Conley's fit in Dallas. I think that Mike Conley playing with Luca and several of those other guys, that's a nice fit. Mike Conley is exactly what they're describing as their need, which is somebody who can run an offense, get Luca off the ball, and hit the three. That's like, I've never heard of a better description of Mike Conley than that. So to me, it's like you have this dynamic at play where you have all these teams that want to buy and they want to, you know, change their roster and they want to do some things. There's only a few teams really selling. So what that says to me is Danny, once again, is in a power position, right? Just like we had said, hey, he set the market with the Rudy trade and the Don trade. He's in control, right? Even with the Royce trade, getting a first rounder out of the Royce trade, you've set the market. And so now we're hearing that, hey, there's way more demand than supply, which then means that supply is going to go up in value. So that's why I say the original question to start this conversation, what do we think of the first half? I don't know. Ask me after the deadline's over because I think that largely defines whether you've been successful or not. But I think so far you've done a really nice job this year. I just hope that that the trade deadline isn't one of these things where it was like, well, there's a lot of demand out there, but we couldn't quite get something done. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, I just don't know who's going to be the first domino to fall. And the Knicks feel like a team that's on that line. And I think the Mitchell Robinson injury is kind of interesting. He should be back here coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. I, I look at the fact that Julius Randle just started this contract, and it's a nice one. Um, you know, R.J. Barrett's set to make $107 million on this extension. He just signed. Like, what do you do with this Knicks roster? Because I think they're really interesting. What are the Chicago Bulls going to do with their roster? Because, listen, you can sit here and you can talk about, hey, the Bulls want to make trades. I don't think they have an appetite to trade Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan. I really don't. And the frustrating thing is that they are willing to trade Io DeSumo now, um, uh, who's a very nice young point guard, which is a bit frustrating as a Bulls fan for me growing up in Chicago. He's from Chicago. He played in Chicago. Like, he's a guy that you want on that roster, but they're more willing to build around vets than they are around young guys. And the, if you're a Bulls fan... The thing that should be driving you crazy right now is they're willing to trade Io DeSumo and Patrick Williams, who they were not willing to trade less than a year ago, last <laughs> summer. And their disappointment in Pat Williams is that he has not developed at the, the, the rate that they thought he would. So now you have Pat Williams and Io DeSumo available, but as we told you last week, they're asking a king's ransom for Alex Caruso. Yeah. So essentially, Alex Caruso's not on the market. Nobody's given two first-round picks for Alex Caruso. Nobody. And again, I'll just go back to the Jazz on this because NBA sources told me over the weekend the Jazz have been offered a first-round pick for Jordan Clarkson. And they have not taken that offer. They have a deal in place to trade Jordan Clarkson, and they, do, they have not accepted it. Yeah. And it's a first-round pick. And I think that's, that's just craziness because they want two first-round picks for, for Jordan Clarkson. Is Jordan Clarkson a guy that's worth two first-round picks? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know an NBA executive that's willing to give up two first-round picks for JC. Well, and this is that conversation about supply and demand. I think Danny it is. is trying to squeeze the absolute last drop 
out of every single opportunity that he can. And, and, you know, earlier, you know, five minutes ago, you just pointed out that, Hey, we're, you know, 10 days away or whatever it is, 11 days from, from the deadline. And so to me, that says, Hey, there's still plenty of time here that we're still, we're, we're, we're still far enough away where that, like, I don't know if desperation's too too strong of a word, but yeah. certainly urgency and like, hey, we gotta get a deal done. The deadline's here. Like, we need to work with Danny on something. That feeling hasn't set in yet, in my opinion. To to and if it has, it certainly hasn't set into a, a length with, you know, which you know a team would would be willing to overpay for Jordan Clarkson because I don't think Jordan's worth two first round picks, and I, and I don't think Danny thinks he's worth two first round picks, but I think Danny is doing what Danny does, which is, <clears throat> Hey, this guy's probably worth, you know, $1. Well, we're 10 days out from the deadline. Let's ask $2 for him. And then when we get like a couple days from the deadline, we'll, we'll vet some deals. <clears throat> we'll look at what, you know, what's available and who we've talked to. And then we'll bring that price down and figure out where we want to move them. That to me <clears throat> is how Danny Ainge operates. In my opinion, that's how he goes about it. And how he does business. So to me, it's like, you know, whether I'm looking at JC or I'm looking at Mike or or or, or guys like, you know, Threesley, Beastly, whatever you want to call buddy, you know, these are all guys that are available. And the Jazz are one of the few sellers on the market right now that actually have really valuable contributing pieces that championship caliber teams or even teams like Dallas who are just mid-tier contenders would be really interested in. And that's why I'm saying... This first half has been nice. You've done more winning than people thought you would. You started 13 and four or whatever that was. You all remember it when everyone was saying this was a 55, 60 win team, which is total crap, right? We know what this team is. They're a sub to near 500 team, which is going to get them into the play in and then they'll get eliminated, yeah. which I think is highly successful for this first round. But if you, if you screw up the deadline, if you don't execute a high level of the deadline, it's all for naught. And I think, again, my, my bigger question is, what is Jordan Clarkson's value? I think it's a one and a two. I would give up a, a, a one this year and a two in the future to get Jordan Clarkson if I am a contender, if I am the Clippers, if I am, hell, the Dallas Mavericks, if yeah. I am the Brooklyn Nets. Like, there's a lot of value in that. If, if, you're, a, if you're a team on the cusp, like, one of the things that I think is so interesting is, what are the Milwaukee Bucks doing? Like Grayson Allen has value on the market. If you're the Milwaukee Bucks, what are you trying to add to get him? Well, they're trying to get Jay Crowder. Like where does Jay Crowder end up? Like you have all of these interesting scenarios and Phoenix has all of their first round picks. They own all of their draft capital. What is Phoenix going to do? Like how is that ownership situation going to impact them? That deal is supposed to close this week, right? Robert Sarver still has to sign off on all these deals. I just think there's so many teams that need to be buying and so few teams need to be selling. That's why the Knicks are so fascinating to me because the New York Knicks are a club that have a lot of assets teams would like. Yeah. And the question is, are you a seller or are you a buyer? Because the Knicks right now, I don't know. I don't think anybody in this, in this room believes that the the New York Knicks are a championship caliber basketball team right now. No, and I, and I think, you know, whether we're looking at the Knicks on the floor or we're looking at them as an organization, I, I, you can't say they're a championship caliber team. And, yeah. and and I think the real struggle is, is I don't think they know if they want to be a buyer or a seller. I, I, I think what they do know is that they're more concerned about, about you know, the P&L statement and making sure people don't get into their building that they don't want in there 
than winning basketball games. And I'm not even trying to be snarky. I genuinely believe that. Well, look at Pascal Siakam in Toronto. Another great example. Does he end up in Phoenix? There's at, a lot of people who thinks pa Pascal Siakam is going to be a Phoenix son. Look at all the rumors around OG Ananobi and three first-round picks and, yeah. like, all this gas about, about him. Like, Toronto, again, is one of those teams that should be a seller, right? We're, we're dropping names like Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry. Like, this this nonsense to me about, about the Clippers trying to go and get – Kyle Lowry, because Kawhi won a ring with Kyle Lowry back in the day, is absolutely asinine to me. I don't know why you would add a guy in Kyle Lowry who's this deep into his career. I understand yeah. the championship pedigree and the experience, but Kyle Lowry <clears throat> is not the guy that you're going to add to a starting five and think that that's going to push you across the line. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I still maintain that the best fit for Jay Crowder is the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. And I think I think Atlanta's really going to miss out on that deal because I, I just go back to what we reported uh, six, seven weeks ago now that the the Jazz, the Suns, and the, the Hawks had a deal. And the, the, the Phoenix Suns didn't want to give up a first-round pick to get it done. It's that simple. And if you are the Atlanta Hawks, that trade is going to haunt you. Mm-hmm. Because you would have been able to offload John Collins' contract. You'd have gotten a savvy veteran leader in Jay Crowder, who's now, I, my, I still maintain he ends up with Milwaukee. If I had to guess, if I had to guess, I think Jay Crowder goes to Milwaukee. I, and I, I agree with you. I think that's a great fit. I, I think like the yeah. way he plays the game, the, like, the fact that it's a, a, a smaller market per se, like it, it just it fits really nicely with what he brings. Yeah, and I, I think I think the Jazz, you know, at the end of all this, the Jazz are in a really good spot. They have clarity on who they are and where they are. And and in my opinion, that is 90% of the battle in the NBA is is clubs not understanding who they are and where they are. Yeah. Again, I, I asked the same question about the Phoenix Suns. Do they understand who they are and where they are? And what are you going to get from Milwaukee? Because a Jay, a Jay Crowder trade to Milwaukee can be one of two things. Let's get this Jay Crowder deal done so we can move on and make a bigger trade yeah. to make ourselves championship ready or that's the deal you're going to make and we're going to roll with, because who knows what you're going to get out of that deal, right? Who knows what you're going to get? But if you wind up trading Jay Crowder and you get a Grayson Allen in return, does that make you a better basketball team? Well, I think it does. Yeah, and I think they saw the Suns, and this is really the shame in the Jay Crowder situation. The Suns need toughness. They're not a tough team, right? Like the Suns are soft. We've yes. seen that repeatedly. And and it's unfortunate that, you know, a guy in Jay Crowder who had one of the, his, I, what I would call one of his best career moments in a Suns uniform in that, in that lob to to Aiton to dunk it with like 0.2 seconds left like that's one of the greatest moments in in dude's career and it's yeah. really unfortunate that it had to end this way and I think that that yeah like if I'm the Suns like yeah I am trying to get a Grayson Allen back and I'm not I'm no Grayson Allen guy I think the guy's a dirty player like what he did to Alex Caruso what he like it, obviously all the tripping stuff at Duke like we know who this guy is it's yeah. no secret that said whether you like that or not, it's really irrelevant because he brings a certain toughness to a team, and I think they need that. With all due respect to guys like Cam Johnson, Cam Payne, like these guys they're bringing off the bench just aren't tough. They're good players, but they don't have that edge. And I'm telling you, if Atlanta trades John Collins to somewhere other than the Jazz, 
the Jazz are missing an opportunity there. Because I think he is exactly the solution they need at power forward. Thanks. I mean, and we just talked about it to open the show. Like when you're talking about Kelly Olynyk, and you're talking about, um, you know, hey, where does where does Kelly Olynyk fit and what happens? And, you know, like I, I look at John Collins. John Collins is a guy you can put at the power forward for the next five years. Yeah. You can develop him into a better defensive player. He's already a serviceable three-point shooter. He's already a good rebounder. He needs to learn to defend in this league. And I think if, you, if you're if you the Utah Jazz, that's a deal you need to make. You absolutely need to make that deal, 100%. All right, let's get some of your comments in here. I see a lot of you uh, in on these, these trade situations. Um, Mesh says, what would you give up for OG if you were the Jazz? I'm not an OG and an OB guy. And I don't think the Jazz are either. Um, he is not. The problem is if you bring in a guy like OG, and you you start looking at his you start looking at his numbers. What does that deal do to your long term fit? Yeah, that's what I'd be looking at. And if you're the Jazz right now, you have some really flexible salaries. I mean, Laurie Markkinen is on a deal that is a steal. Like he is a guy that. I mean, if he continues this trajectory and you put a star around him, that's a guy that could could that's a guy that can carry you for long stretches. Now, I know this is crazy. You actually have to give Laurie Markin in the basketball. I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's uh, crazy don't say talk. Outlandish things. Come on. It's crazy talk. The nice thing is is that OG Ananobi is not making a ton of money. He's only owed something like fifty six million dollars. Um, you know, his, his whole deal was four years and 72 million. You have him next year at 18.6 and then he's on a player option. Yeah. Is he going to sign an extension outside of that? I need to know that. I need to know that. Right. And he has got a really, really good contract. The issue becomes that he's on a player option. Am I giving up two first round picks to get OG and Anobi on a player option? No, nah. probably not. Probably not. And again, I don't, I, I mean, I, I don't hate OG Ananobi's game. I, I really don't. But he's somebody that is a 15 to 17 points a night guy. So he's not going to carry your team offensively. He's not a tremendous rebounder, right? I mean, you, you look at him as a three-point shooter. He's a 36% three-point shooter. I don't know that he does anything well enough to justify three first-round picks. I started having second thoughts. I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't I certainly don't value him at that level. But again, I think this whole conversation around supply and demand is interesting and how it affects, you know, guys like OG Ananobi. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I would never give up three first rounders to get OG Ananobi. That seems like, you know, super excessive. But yeah, you know, again, if there's a lot of competition, maybe they end up getting that. Yep, I agree. Uh Tyler P says Clarkson hasn't played great of late and he seems to hero ball a lot. That's all he's ever been, though. Yeah. When has he not been a hero ball guy? Uh, Brett Burnett says Clarkson owns many houses, so selling them is nothing new. Who cares? <laughs> I, I This is, again, I just ask you, does a guy selling a house mean anything? Oh, but he bought that house in San Antonio. Who cares? Do you, yeah, so he's going, to the, he's going to the Spurs, right? No, he's not going to the, <coughs> What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Del Hargis says, uh, Mike doesn't fit long-term timeline for the Jazz. Mike with Dallas would be a great fit, but I'd hate to watch him help Donkey Jokic better. Yeah, make. <laughs> I'm sorry. You said Donkey Jokic. 
Okay. Okay. Luca, do you? That's Luca Doncic in Latin. Luca Doncic in Latin is pronounced donkey jockich. My name is Luca. That's amazing. Wow. Um, Tyler P says I'm convinced Clarkson isn't a winning player. Watch how loud you say that. You say that out loud, and the the Philippine uh, military is going to come for your ass, dude. <laughs> He's not a championship player. Yeah. He's a piece on a championship player, on a championship team. He is not. He is Jordan Clarkson. Why is it so wrong to talk truth about what Jordan Clarkson is as a player? Uh-huh. Oh, he's beloved here. Okay, cool. But that doesn't mean we're not going to tell the truth. He's a guy who doesn't pass the ball. He's a guy who turns the ball over. He's a guy that would rather dribble into a double team and throw a ball up blindly than make the right pass to get a guy an open look to win the game. Yeah. That's who he is. That's who he's always been. You, he won the sixth man of the year because of flame on, bro. Flame on. That's what he is as a player. Why is that so tragic to say that? And that's how I look at it. I don't get that. Uh, Robert Lambert says, what about Randall on the Jazz? Yeah, he's not, he's not what the Jazz value. Yeah. He has been. They had a chance at him, and he, they summarily turned that down on that Knicks deal. Uh, Dell also says Mike doesn't fit. No, I got that one already. My bad. Robert Lambert says, dude is 24 and 10 this season. We don't have a power forward. Statistics don't tell the story. Julius is also a guy that's volatile. He's a, he's a guy that you don't know what you're getting every single day emotionally. So, I mean, he's a phenomenal player. I think he's been the best power forward in the league this year, statistically. You know, I just don't, I don't think he's a guy that you want to pay the money he's making, especially now where the Jazz are. The Jazz aren't going to compete for a championship in the next year, right? two years. So I think you need... I would not be out chasing a superstar today. Mm-hmm. That's this summer. I'd be chasing a superstar this summer. Uh, let's see. Forrest G says, good morning. How the heck are you? Uh, Brandon Butler says, Danny can smell team's fear. It's his bacon bits. They don't want to get anged. Yeah, exactly. Somebody said that to me last week. They don't want to get anged. Lopes Van Gabe says, Danny executes at a high level, but his greed also landed duds like Bogdanovich. The Bogdanovich deal. That deal still sticks in my craw. Yeah. Because they're going to get a first-round pick for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the trouble is, in the, I guess this, is, this would be one of my only concerns with Danny, is the pride factor. I, I do think sometimes Danny is like, hey, you're doing this deal. We're not doing a deal. And, and to me... That hasn't led him astray yet, right? We have we there hasn't really like the Bogdanovich thing. I I view as an outlier because you've done so well on Gobert, Donnie, Royce. Like you've done so well on some of these other deals. But if the deadline is is a dud, if there's like one deal that gets done, but not really transformative, not really special, not really anything that's like wow, he he really changed this team. Then I think you got to start asking some questions because there's no excuse not to have, you know, Mike Conley gone, not to have JC gone. And and I know Ryan doesn't want to trade JC, and I respect that. But the reality is JC's not resigning on or not, you know, picking up his option. And and I know in the comments section on the channel over the weekend, I'm seeing people saying, well, JC knows how the business works and he knows the Jazz can't pay him till next summer. So he's going to do do the team a favor and take that option. It's like, no, he's not. He's not doing that. So when I look at Danny, all I'm saying is that at this deadline, we should see, you know, Beasley, Conley, JC, 
these guys should get moved because there is demand and desire. And once that's gone, it's hard to move guys for proper value. Oh, I would agree with that. Totally. Make sure you go ahead and hit the like button on the show as we talk Utah Jazz basketball presented by Quick Quack Car Wash. All of our Utah Jazz and NBA talk presented by Quick Quack. Um, they're just a great a great car wash. They're great people to do business with. And I, I tell you, again, I was there on Saturday and the car just comes out looking good. Like it just, every time it snows, I get my car washed. Every time the road's wet, I get my car washed. And yeah, it's dirty today because it snowed yesterday. So I'm going to Quick Quack today. That's why I have a wash pass because I don't let my Audi, I have an SQ5 and I love that thing. I don't let my Audi sit with a bunch of salt and dirt on it. Not when I have a, a wash pass at Quick Quack, it makes it really easy to keep my car in good shape all winter long. And the best part is they're really friendly and I'm in and out of there in five, seven minutes. Like I don't have a lot of time. I'm a busy guy. I got yeah. stuff to do. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a lot of time to sit in a line for 20 minutes. And you know how I found Quick Quack? Because the line moved really fast when I, when I gave him a shot. I was there literally at the, at the district. It wraps around the building sometimes because I think the word's out. Quick Quack is no longer like the best kept secret in car washes. They're busy all the time because of their free vacuums and towels. and But you still get in and out of there in like five, seven minutes. And I love it. The wash is great. Get to Quick Quack Car Wash. Tell me you heard about it on the Monty Show. I think Gabe's, uh, uh, the other part of Gabe's comment um, let's see right here. The other part of this comment, I think is, it, it makes a hell of a lot of sense. At some point, all these picks need to become something tangible. Assets don't lift trophies. Players do. Yeah. But isn't this why the Phoenix Suns, and I've told you this again, I don't mean to be redundant. The Suns want a forward that can contribute. And I think that's why, like on this Jay Crowder thing, I'm telling you right now, the Jazz should be the third team in that deal. Because if, if you're the Phoenix Suns, what are you going to take from Milwaukee? Serge Ibaka? Because that's what you're going to have to do to make that trade work, nah. right? But if, if you're the, the Phoenix Suns and you need a forward who can give you 20 minutes a, a night, is that not Jared Vanderbilt? Is that not Kelly Olynyk? Are you telling me that, that Threesley, Beastly doesn't fit into this equation somewhere? Of course he does. Are you telling me that a bigger deal that that adds somebody of note in the forward spot. And this is the problem with Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson. They're not big guys. So you run into a team like Milwaukee and you get pushed around. You yeah. run into an Eastern Conference Boston Celtics team in the final, you're going to get pushed around. <coughs> You've got to find somebody who on that, on that Phoenix roster right now matches up with Claxton in Brooklyn. Who on that Phoenix roster right now? Because it ain't DeAndre Ayton, I can tell you that. That's the biggest question for me. Who's going to play the 3-4 with any kind of physical nature if, you, if you're the Phoenix Suns? Who's going to spell DeAndre Ayton? Because it ain't Big Mac, Bismack Biombo. Yeah. Right? And if you, if you are trading a guy in Jay Crowder, isn't Jay Crowder the exact thing the Phoenix Suns are missing right now? If you're the Jazz, how do you not get involved in that deal? That's why when you have all these assets and you have a Vanderbilt and you have an Olenek and you have a guy like a Beasley, like a Clarkson. Those guys fit in all of these situations with contenders. Yeah. So how do you not make that deal? I can tell you right now, Conley's not the only one that Dallas would love to have. They'd love to have Malik Beasley. They would love to flip Tim Hardaway Jr. and turn him into Malik Beasley. I'd like that they, too. They'd love that. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. But you have to, to Gabe's point, you have to take these assets and turn them into something. It's great that you're collecting draft picks like... 
An NBA guy I talked to on the regular called what the Jazz have nothing better than goldfish in a pond. Every time you acquire a first-round pick, just throw it into the pond with the other goldfish. But guess what? Those are eventually going to die if you don't flip them into something. Yep. Right? And if you don't take those goldfish and you don't feed them and you don't grow them and they don't turn into something spectacular, what good was it? Yeah. And it, it's no good. Because all you're going to do is feed those goldfish to the sharks eventually. And you're going to watch Donovan Mitchell dominate in Cleveland. Well, because that's another team that, that is on Jordan Clarkson's radar. Cleveland, I think Cleveland would love to get Jordan Clarkson back. Yes. I think, you know who, you know who would, who they, they, that's a team that needs a Grayson Allen. The Knicks are a team that needs a Grayson Allen. Isn't that crazy that he's got value around the league? Well, now? because what does he do? Right. And this is the point we always try to make with like all the, the guys who hate on Caruso type players yeah. or whatever. Like Grayson Allen is not some all star. He's not some amazing player. Like, like he's not, but what does he do? He does the things you don't want to do. He goes in, dives for that ball. He goes in and gets real physical with someone. He goes in and drops Caruso when Caruso's got a breakaway and he's not feeling, you know, he's not feeling that. He's not appreciating that. So that's why I say like Grayson Allen's a guy you would love to have on your team and you hate playing him if he's on the other team. Yep. And that's that's just how it works. Yep, totally agree. Hey, make sure you check out our membership on the program. I just put a link in the comments. Join the show because you know every day on this show you get the best Utah Jazz talk. You get the best NFL. You get the best college football. I cannot wait for, for baseball season because we're going to talk a ton of baseball this summer, man. Yeah. I am so fired up about it. Make sure you join the membership. We are pushing 80 members now on the show. Let's go. And we've only been offering memberships for three weeks. It'll be three weeks this Thursday that we've offered memberships. And I'm telling you, dude, it's, it's crazy how much the community has grown. And yeah, you get exclusive videos. The merch drop that's coming this week, we're waiting for... We have the store set up. We have all that stuff done. We're just waiting to get approval from, from our vendor uh, to sell things. Amazon. Uh, we're going to use Amazon <laughs> Fulfillment. You're going to get first access to that. Like You get a lot of perks. The number one reason that you join the Monty Show for $9.99 a month is to get access to the chat on Instagram. You have a members-only chat group on Instagram, and it's not just sports. Now, during the football games, the chat was unbelievable. Jazz games, the chat's unbelievable. The cool thing is, though, the offline stuff, mm -hmm. supporting each other, talking about cold plunges or talking about recipes or talking about like, I cannot tell you how many guys in that group have reached out to me and said, hey, I really appreciate that this guy helped me with that guy or like Teddy Wayman on tile or we have a bunch of really talented people in that group that make that, that, make that group special now. And it's not just sports talk. The fact that Jeremy Bolton was at the, the Grizzlies game the other night. Yeah. And we went and hung out with him in the Mavericks suite. Or I have a proclamation from the desk of the mayor. Yeah, that you guys are reaching out to us and being like, hey, I'm at the Grizzlies game or hey, I'm at the Jazz game. Who else is here? Or like that a couple of our members met up at the Jazz game the other night. Yes. That's really cool. When we so, went to, uh, you know, we've gone to restaurants, we've gone to different places yeah. like, and people have come and had lunch with us. Like, that's what it's about. Like, I know that, you know, you've got a million and one Netflix style subscriptions that you're probably subscribed to, if you will. But yep. the reason that I feel like our membership is is more valuable than that is because it's personal interaction. I mean, we're, we're literally in this group chat talking about everything under the sun. And that's the beauty of it. Like on the show... 
Like on the show, we can only get to so many comments, yep. right? Like we get people all the time. Oh, well, you didn't read my comment. Well, that's because we get like 4,000 comments a show. But if you're a member and you have that access, you can ask us anything you want. Like we had a guy yesterday. I can't remember. I can't remember who it was. Say, hey, do you have promo code for tickets to go see monster trucks? Because yeah. monster trucks are coming. Like, that's what I mean. You get access to that stuff. That's why it's worth it. Absolutely right. Make sure you click the link I put into the comments or click the join button on your mobile app. Uh, just really appreciate the way you guys have supported the show. I thought the thing the other day with, you know, appreciating your wives and doing little chores around the house and how can we, you know, what are the little things we do? Like that kind of stuff is amazing. Uh, James Knight, who's a member of the show, says the Cavs need to get past the Bucks, Giannis and Middleton holiday. Well, I think that that's going to be very difficult to do because I still maintain that Drew Holiday is playing at a very high level. I, that's a dude whose hands I want the ball on. Put the ball in his hands in the in clutch, and he's coming through. Yeah, Giannis put a put up a fifty spot yesterday. Yeah, I mean rather easily whew. too. I might add. Man, Brett Stubbs. Uh, good morning too. He says I need to join. Yes, you do. Yes, let's go, Brett. Worth it. Let's worth go, it, dude. Worth its weight in gold. That's do for it. sure. Brandon Butler says sixty days till baseball. Yes. Let's go. Tyler P. Lopes. Uh, Jazz are two to three years from competing. Winning trains now is important. Well. But it depends on what timeline you want to operate on. As the roster is constructed today, you're not going to win anything. You make a transformative deal in the summer now. Because remember where they are. This is a 500 basketball team that is on the precipice of making a playoffs. I mean, you figure in the league, there's probably, I don't know, off the top of my head, 20, 25 players that are worth 10 wins a year yep. to a team on their own. So, I mean, you have guys that you can try and go and get. I think what's important, though, through this process is not to lose the identity of this team because with all due respect to Will Hardy, he's still earning his stripes too. And I think that we have seen some moments out of Will Hardy where it's like, okay, clearly this is a younger head coach. You know, the 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 Clarkson versus Philly thing that, you know, what was that, two weeks ago or whatever. Like, you've had some, you've had some moments where you're like, why'd you draw this play that way? Or how are you handling Colin Sexton on the bench? Like, some things that... Will Hardy's grown with too. So I think through this deadline, if you can create a team that is a winning team, I think then our spotlight kind of shifts to Will Hardy and just how far he can he can take a team like that with his ability. Yep, totally agree. All right, 10 to the hour, every hour on the Monty Show. It's football at 50. We bring you the biggest stories in football. As always, it's presented by our good friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Again, I'm just going to keep saying it. The meatball marinara is redonkulous. Yeah. I said redonkulous. Not only are those balls huge, like the meatballs are just so good. They've got the marinara sauce. They've got that the cheese that's just in them. Oh, you scooped that. You put the. Mm. Yeah. Telling you, you want to make a you want to make you want to make a meatball sandwich? Papa Murphy's marinara meatball. You want to put meatball on top of a pizza? Marinara meatballs at Papa Murphy's. They're unbelievable. Make sure you use the promo code. Monty25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more. How about them games yesterday? Now, we had an epic battle over Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow's not why they lost. But he also isn't the reason they, they won the game. Cincinnati didn't win, and I put a lot of that on Joe Burrow. In a close game like this, to be a play or two away and have him not execute... I think Joe Burrow's got to take a not. He's got to have a, a a hefty helping of blame. How about that? Yeah, I I totally I totally agree that hey, you weren't the reason your team won, 
And you certainly, you know, were definitely a factor in why your team lost. I'm not saying he's the only reason, but the reality is you're the franchise guy. You're the quarterback. Like, it's on you. Like, that's how it works. When your team wins, it's us. When your team loses, it's me. Like, that's how it goes. I agree. And, and I think that, yeah, it, it does upset me that, you know, they lose this game playing the game the way they did, meaning you were undisciplined in all three phases. Joe threw interceptions. You allowed a return on special teams late in the game that then turned into a penalty on the sideline that then turned into Harrison Butker sending your ass home. So, like, you didn't deserve to Harrison's win this game. Harrison's Butker? Yeah, dude. Harrison's Butker. That's right. That's right. I think Joe Burrow's a great quarterback. He's no Patrick Mahomes. But he'll do. And that's the bottom line out of this football game. Joe Burrow's good. Patrick Mahomes is great. And I celebrate performances, and that performance by Patty Ice was unbelievable. I think the way he executed, the way he moved that team up and down the field, the way that he operated to lead up to Harrison but Harrison's butt Kerr right. kicking the field goal. I just thought it was quintessential, awesome quarterback play out of Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not surprised by it anymore. It is every time I see it, I'm just in awe of Patrick Mahomes in big games. Now, do I like his wife and his brother? No, they're annoying as hell. And unfortunately, we are going to be plagued with those two buffoons all the way through the Super Bowl now. If you don't, don't follow them on social, please. Don't encourage please do it. Not. Please do not. Uh, the Eagles, 31-7 to over the 49ers. And, hey, man, I don't think the Eagles play great football. I think they're by far the best defense in the NFL right now, and I would give them the edge. Uh, over Kansas City in the Super Bowl. By the way, the Eagles are a two-point favorite, 49-and-a-half the number in the early lines on the Super Bowl. Uh -huh. I think that's justified. That defense is absolutely killer. And that you got Hassan Reddick, Hassan, coming off the corner yesterday and destroying Brock Purdy's elbow on the first drive. That's what winning football games is all about. That's what big-time performers do in big-time games. I think that's... To me, that, that says all you need to know about this defense. They're going to get after Patrick Mahomes, and Patty's not going to be healthy. He's going to be more healthy. That ankle's not going to be a hundo P in the Super Bowl. I got, I, I'm telling you now, I'm leaning heavy towards the Eagles in that game. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think you're spot on with the Eagles' defense. The the X factor is his ankle. I mean, you're, you've got two weeks now, really, you know, to, to really rehab and really turn up the healing process. And, yeah, he's not going to be 100%, but if this guy, if Patrick Mahomes is, let's call it 80%, 70%, let's call it 70%. That's a damn good quarterback, right? That's a guy that's going to cause chaos for your secondary. So, to me, I have a lot of reservation about betting against Patrick Mahomes. And, and I'm, it's nothing against Jalen Hurts, nothing against the Eagles. But, again, everyone wanted to die on this hill of experience in the first hour. Well, then go and die on the hill. Bet the Chiefs against Philly because Philly's never been here, and the Chiefs have been here repeatedly. So, yeah. to me, I think the boys in Vegas have set this minus two for, for Philly very much intentionally because they want Patty to be the underdog. They want him to have this story of, hey, you got here on one leg. Like, it's brilliant. It's brilliant odds-making to me that they did this. And to me, I, I think it's 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 asking for trouble to bet against KC, but that's just me. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And I, I think when you look at some of the numbers on this game, uh, the money line, there is no money line to bet here. I mean, the, Kansas City's plus 110. This thing's dead even, dude. Like, it's dead even. 
I would I would hold my bread until it's certainly the week of the game. But I'd be hanging on to my money long, long time now. Not yeah. until we get to like Saturday before the Sunday. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, for that Sunday Super Bowl game, yeah, we'll be in Lake Tahoe or I will be in Lake Tahoe. I don't know. Are you going to Tahoe? I have no yeah. idea. Anyway, we'll be in Lake Tahoe for the Super Bowl. So, uh, yeah, enjoy it, you dirty, unwashed, normal commoners. Okay. Nothing? Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited about that. Like, yeah. we're going to Lake Tahoe to snowboard. We will be doing shows that week, by the way. Obviously, the Monday after the Super Bowl. Don't and worry. All that stuff. We'll Don't be there. worry. We're not abandoning you. Yeah. Um, the point is that we will uh, we'll hook it up for the Super Bowl. I'm really looking forward to that. Don't forget, uh, we'll also be in Arizona for spring training. So all my Arizona-ites will be doing some uh, big rig pasta and baseball games with yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, so stick around for that. Football at 50, speaking of awesomeness, is presented by Papa Murphy's Pizza. Use the promo code MATI25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. And you better be ordering the marinara meatballs. At Papa Murphy's, we do more than just pizza. We do meatballs and marinara. Actually, I do the meatballs and marinara. And how do you do it, Dad? How do I do it? How do I do it? Order now at PapaMurphy's.com. Exactly right. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Let's get a couple more of your comments in here. Um, Why are we talking about Britton Covey all of a sudden? the hell happened here? Ron Nolan says, Covey will carry the Eagles to a national championship. Please. Is that a shot at Britton Covey? Are you being serious with that? Britton Covey is the kick returner of the now Super Bowl contending Philadelphia Eagles. They're going, Britton Covey is going to play for a Super Bowl and somehow you're criticizing him for that? See, like I'm all, I'm here for the, for the rivalry and stuff, but Let's not be fools, man. That's are you kidding me right now? If you're not rooting for Britton Covey, like you're there's something wrong with you. Britton Covey's a good dude who has no business playing in the NFL and he's busted his ass to get there. Like, are you are you serious? Come on now. Um Ron Nolan also says you guys haven't mentioned anything about Britton Covey's championship touches last night. Yeah, that drives me crazy. Uh brother! Says, I was right from my prediction. I say Eagles, Chiefs, Andy Reid's revenge, the battle of the Kelsey brothers. Okay. I don't hate this that. This isn't a battle of the Kelsey brothers. I mean, There's the guy's an offensive one lineman. Kelsey. You know. Well, I mean, he's a pretty good. Come on. You know. Kay Nuren says, all you need to say is Mahomes. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, you know. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, good morning, gents. Thank you for the show. Kudos to the crowd at the Grizzlies game the other night. Dale Donut says, yeah, yes. packed house. That was awesome. Yes. Uh, first sellout of the season. Uh, let's see. Tanner says, I'm a national championship, Ron. That's what I'm saying. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh, whoa. Jeremy says, huge BYU fans in my house, and we root for Covey. How do you not root yeah. for Britain? I mean, Covey? it's everything you want in sports. How dude? do you the not? Guy- like you just said it best. Like the guy had no business being in the league. But what has he done? He's worked his ass off. And he went through the practice squad route, if memory serves. I think he had to spend time on their practice squad for he a did. minute to get into the special teams room. So then he could start doing that because he's not physically gifted enough 
to play slot in the NFL, right? Like the way he would at Utah. Like this is no Wes Welker, right? He's not Julian Edelman. He's not that good. But that doesn't mean he can't have a spot in the league. Yeah, I think that Brayton Covey's a stud. <laughs> like there's just no way to if you're yeah anyway uh there's only one kelsey what a casual take jake what go ahead is your mic working uh okay cam Listen. harrison good morning cam uh good morning guys covey deserves it yes he does yes he i'm does. not here for oh offensive lineman kelsey is gonna battle the tight end one of the greatest of all time dude it's not a fair comparison no it's not. He, I mean, he's a hell of a quarterback or a hell of an offensive lineman. But, I mean, you know. Uh, K. Nuren says he's from Provo. He, he is, man. He is, you know. Uh, Tanner says, also, here's another Ute connection. Jalen Hurts' quarterback coaches, Brent. Do you think? Yeah, Brian, everybody knows that, right? Dude, we're aware that, like, Mitch Wisnowski, like, was in the game yesterday punting. Like, like quite literally, you have... Wisnowski punting to Britton Covey. So a Ute punter to a Ute kick returner. Like, how awesome is that? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's so good for our state. Uh, Ron Nolan says, Covey is a giant. He's 5'8", 170, fully dressed. Right. Why are you hating on Britton Covey? Like, get out of here, dude. Like, what is there not to like about Britton? What is your, Ron, what is your deal with Britton Covey? Like, are you just trying to be funny or? Because I don't think that's funny at all, actually. Uh, how about the take that Super Bowl champions will finish with more wins at State Farm Stadium this season than the Cardinals? <laughs> now, see, that's yeah. funny. That's funny. <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, Britton Covey's not as tall as Kyler Murray, but he'll do. Right. You know. He's no verticality, but he'll do. <laughs> Come on, dude. I, what are the Cardinals going to do here? Well, like, I, I, I mean... How are you not all in on Sean Payton? Yeah, let's go. Let's go into tinfoil hat mode for a minute. Everyone's like, "Hey, Sean Payton was seen wearing a red tie on ESPN. They're hiring him." No, dude. <laughs> there's video of him in the parking lot with Bidwell going to get lunch. I'm pretty sure he's in a good place. Like, if you're the Cardinals, this, this is what I was saying the whole time with Sean Payton. Yeah. Right. And I and you made this excellent point that I hadn't thought of as usual. Hey, if you're gonna hire Sean Payton. Don't you have to allow him to make a choice on Kyler? Yes. Right? Because now we're getting tweets about how, you know, from like Bleacher Report and all the people about how, hey, Kyler's going to take his time with ACL recovery, and he's not going to be back till the middle of the season, which might as well just swing the door wide open for Sean Payton to go and get another guy and to fizzle out little Kyler. Right? Like, is that not, do we not all see that happening? Do we not all see that that sort of playing out if they hire Sean Payton? Which to me is not an if, but a when. Because why? Like I, I just don't know why you wouldn't hire Sean Payton. It's perfect. You play in an indoor facility, which he's dominant yeah. in, right? It's the NFC, which is where he, you know, earned his stripes. Obviously, like what, like dude, like this is a perfect fit. I love it. I, I love it. I mean, I just, yeah, I, I think that he should be the next head coach. And if I'm the Arizona Cardinals, I am giving him personnel decision-making. The problem is you hired a general manager already. Is that general manager going to want to acquiesce any of that? I mean, like... An external general manager. Yeah. Someone from the outside, which is very rare in their organization. Yeah. I, it's going to be fascinating to watch the Sean Payton thing unfold and see how he does and where he does. And, and it's going to be amazing. Uh, Cove, uh, Tanner says, Covey's fielding yesterday wasn't good yesterday. However, he has made some progress at times. Like, okay. 
Bro, why are why are we why are we hating on Britain Covey? Yeah, like, like I just don't understand this. <laughs> yeah, this is the like this is what I mean. And Tanner, like I, I I don't understand like the the getting into the weeds on Britain grading Britain Covey's receiving. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know why Ron is Ron is on it either. I don't. It's it's weird. Now, I I have I I don't understand it. And yeah, yeah. I, I just don't see why we're... Which is, you know, just kind of weird. Right? Like, it is weird. It's just odd. Like, how did we get here? Like, how is he the guy... Like, how is he the guy you're picking on? <laughs> That's what I don't get. Fat Jesus says, uh, I don't know uh, why Peyton would want to coach for the Cardinals because he can have personnel control. Yeah. And they actually have talent. It's a matter... that. The problem is you've let so much good talent get away. And the, the real issue is guys that leave here, I say here, guys that leave Arizona wind up thriving. Like Hassan Reddick's the perfect, perfect example of that. He leaves, he comes back, he leaves, and now he's playing for a Super Bowl and he's a building block, a foundational piece of that Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. How is How did he not? Like Patrick Peterson has somehow reinvented his career in Minnesota is definitely the real deal, right? Like he's actually played really well for them that I, yeah, I don't know. I, it's amazing to me. Uh, Riley O'Brien says thumbs up on the show, boys. Let's go. Hey, Let's good morning, go. Riley. Good to see you. Uh, always a pleasure to have you here. Yeah. We've had uh, about 1500 views and we only have 65 likes on the program. Uh, so let's, let's hook that let's get up it going. Yeah. That would be amazing. Program. Uh, let's get the like button going. By the way, we got to talk about, we got to get into this LeBron thing. Yes. Um, yes. because I am, I am quite, I'm over this. I'm not here for this anymore. I understand that, that there are people who don't like LeBron James. I'm totally down with that. I am one of them. Sure. I am not a LeBron James fan. I respect the hell out of LeBron James and what he's doing and what he's done in his career. Am I a fan of him in particular? I am not in any way, shape, or form. But I respect him. What happened in Boston the, the other night was absolutely egregious. There's no explanation for the fact that his arm was hacked in front of two officials who on tape are looking right at the play and they just don't blow the whistle. It's... Not the first or the second or the third. It's the fourth time the Lakers have not gotten a call that has cost them a game. They're tied with time expiring the other night. LeBron James drives to the basket, gets fouled, no call, time expires. They go to overtime and lose to Boston. Mm -hmm. Where if you blow the whistle, LeBron's going to make a free throw and the Lakers are going to win the game. And I just don't understand what is going on with officials in the NBA that these calls continue to, A, not just the Lakers, across the league, obvious calls are not being made. And it's the tweak that the NFL made. The only way I see fixing this officials thing is you have to allow a replay official on the side or in New York to stop the game and correct the situation. That's the only thing that I can see. The problem is... The NBA moves so much more quickly than the NFL. There's not time between plays generally. It's very difficult to go back and correct that. What should have happened in that situation the other night in Boston with LeBron and the Lakers, 
they should have stopped the game and reviewed the play. And New York should have said that was a foul. LeBron goes to the line and shoots two. Yeah. But they didn't do that. And then they compounded their mistake, in my opinion, by immediately issuing an apology and an admittance that the officials got it wrong. Yeah. But here's the other problem. Was anybody fired for that? Will anybody lose their job for that? No, they won't. There are no repercussions to NFL or NBA officials blowing calls like that that are keeping the premier player in the NBA and the premier franchise in the NBA out of the postseason. Because if those four calls had been made and the Lakers won those four games, they'd be in a playoff spot right now. Instead, they're two games out of a playoff spot, likely three after tonight, because what do you know, most of their guys, including LeBron and Anthony Davis, will not play for the Lakers tonight in Brooklyn, Jake. And I just think it's absolutely a travesty what is going on with the Lakers and the NBA officials right now. Yeah, so there's multiple issues with this, right? Where I agree, you should have a you should have an official in New York or somebody with the ability to stop the game and make the correct call, even when the incorrect call has been made. That's number one. Number two, we need to talk about the challenge system. I'm tired of there only being one challenge. I'm not saying head coaches should have 15 challenges. What I am saying, though, is if you challenge and you get that challenge right, you should get your challenge back. Now, to me, you know, this whole situation where you have all these obvious calls being missed, it's bad for the league. Not because it's the Lakers, not because it's the Celtics, not because it's any particular guy or team. But think about it. Think about it. Take LeBron and the Lakers losing out of it. If they make that call and send LeBron to the line, how does the league lose? Hear me out. LeBron makes both free throws or even makes one free throw. Lakers win the game, good for the league, right? Oh, LeBron was clutch. He's Mr. Everything. He outdueled Tatum again, right? Okay, you send LeBron to the line. He misses both. They lose the game, right? They go to OT. They lose the game. Oh, LeBron's not clutch. Like, he choked. Like, Tatum outdueled him. That's good for the league. So this isn't a LeBron issue, even though it kind of is, right? He's been a victim of this for most of the season. This is a league-wide issue. It is crushing the league. And to me, it's such an obvious fix. You should be able, and, and, and I know I agree with you, hey, the NBA is a very fast sport. You don't get those breaks. You don't have 40 seconds between every play but to me that's kind of a cop-out even on its own because because you tell me we can't innovate we can't come up with a system that allows like in baseball right remember how remember how when the whole hey the manager the manager's gonna put his hand up and he's gonna look back at buddy checking the screen that wasn't a thing in baseball but now it is and now i get to see dude signaling hey put the headphones on right so that's what i'm saying like the nba has to fix this because it's bad for the league, not because it's bad for Braun, even though it is, yeah. right? It's bad for the league. It has to get fixed. Yeah, and I think the only way to fix this is to terminate officials. I, I don't know how else you explain this because coming out of the Tim Donaghy situation several years ago where you know he essentially wound up in prison for you know taking money to fix NBA games, and then he came out and, and openly talked about how the league influences the way referees call games. Now it appears that the NBA is trying to screw LeBron and the Lakers. That's what, that's the only A to B straight line that you can draw because when you look at such an obvious egregious foul 
yeah. not being called, and then you immediately issue a, an apology. It's just not good enough anymore. This is, oh, hey, thoughts and prayers. Seriously. It, like, it's not good enough anymore. You have to take action. And again, I know you don't like it, but the truth is the NBA needs the Lakers to make the playoffs. The NBA needs the Knicks to make the playoffs, the Celtics to make the playoffs. Now, I think it's perfectly fine if the Jazz, if the Memphis Grizzlies, the Denver Nuggets, the smaller teams in the NBA and smaller markets win championships. Portland, Oklahoma City, I think that's perfectly fine. But you need your premier franchises, the Bulls, to be good in those major markets because that's how you make your money. You get bigger TV audiences. Do you think the NFL this morning isn't thrilled to have Kansas City and Philadelphia? Thanks. I got news for you. They're thrilled about that. Those are, those are great TV markets. The NBA is not getting that because you're not blowing the whistle when LeBron James gets so clearly hacked. And the other thing is, I'm not here for this LeBron hate. I don't understand it. Yeah. You don't have to like him. You don't have to like that he's hopped around, but you have to respect him. And if you don't respect LeBron, like I did a big battle with, with Josh Lovren on Twitter last night. Like I tweet about how the NBA blew this call and his answer is, oh, well, are you you're going to just ignore the blatant travel? What has that got to do with the fact that he was clearly fouled on a play that's routinely called a foul and you want to go back to him traveling, which he did not, to which you go and tweet, Age-old gifts of LeBron traveling. It's like the blatant disrespect of LeBron James shows who you are as an NBA fan. Yeah. If you don't understand that traveling is just not called in this league, I don't know what to tell you about that. It's holding in the NFL, man. You could call traveling on every single possession. They don't. You know what's funny about that, too? Inside of this conversation, the league this year has made it a priority to start calling, calling traveling more. Right? So you're seeing, like, you know, the guy who 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 still has his dribble, who he's holding the ball, he's making pivot moves and stuff. They're calling traveling on that all the time now. And to me, on this LeBron play, going and talking about traveling is just inexcusable because it's inconsequential. Yeah. There's no point to it. Like, yes. like, in my opinion, he didn't travel. If you don't know what a zero step is... If you don't know what that means in the NBA, you don't watch NBA basketball because that is a play-in and play-out thing that they don't call. It's widely accepted what the zero step is and how it works in the league. And what really bothers me is the point you made. Hey, there's two officials right in front of this play. It's you're 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 looking right at it, like right to you, and you're telling me. That, okay, maybe you didn't see it. You're telling me you didn't hear that? Because that was not a half-hearted There's swing. an official. I'm, like, watching the replay. He's there right is an there. official right there looking at it. And the other official has an even better... Because it's LeBron's arm is fully extended. And it's it's Jason Tatum. He got fouled twice on that. Brogdon hacked him across the hand. And then Tatum comes from behind him. And, I mean, fully just hits him right in the forearm. And the ball hit... Like, he loses control of the ball. No whistle. Because he was fouled. Man. Like, I just can't believe that they didn't call that. That's my problem. And and that's why I say, like, it's... I, I don't disagree with your point about how, hey, like, in the Man. NFL, you have 40 seconds. Like, you know, like, we saw it yesterday. We saw it yesterday with the Jalen Hurts, or uh, uh, Buddy up the sideline on the long... can't remember his name off the top of my head. The the In the Eagles game, early in the game... Dude makes that great catch, that one-handed catch on, I think it was on fourth down, 
and he gets up and he runs to the line so they can snap the ball. You don't have that dynamic in the NBA. No. So you have to have somebody. I would prefer, my preference would be in person because you need to be able to feel it. You need to be able to see it. You need to be able to say, hey, it's Lakers in Boston. It's Braun. It's Tatum. There was how much ever time left in that moment? I think like five seconds or whatever. Yeah, we're going to need to review this one. We're going to need to review this one. And I don't know. What's the protocol on that? Because But the coach's challenge is one of the biggest things. Like yes, you it is. can't you cannot take somebody's timeout and their challenge. If they win that challenge, they don't get another if they lose that challenge, they don't get another one. If you win that challenge, you should absolutely get your timeout back and you should absolutely have another challenge. Like yes. it, it just doesn't make any sense that you're blowing a call. It, it, how do you not review that? How does NBA how does the NBA in New York not say, hey man? That's a foul. We got to look at that. Yeah. I, I don't I don't. And get by it. the way, if we're not sure if it's a foul or not, we still should look at it because, you know, it decides the game. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, That's what dude. I'm saying. Like, this isn't a brawn issue. It's not. It's like, an integrity of yes, the game issue. Yes, yes. And it's close. By the way, the other thing is, I, I think it is incredibly compelling how close the NBA is right now. If you look at the standings, if the if the Lakers get those four calls and they are just simply one one the one I'm thinking about is the 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 out of bounds play, and I want to say what was it the the Kings game? They lost a, a the Kings game. I want to I think it was in the Kings game at Crypto, where one of the Kings clearly stepped out of bounds. They didn't call it. Yeah, they just didn't call it. And it leads to a swing that gets like I, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And now you see that they're they're in Boston, in Boston. With the game on the line, you lose the game, and then Pat Beverly loses his mind and brings a camera on the court. Okay, but that but can I just say that was an all time troll job? Yeah, but of doesn't the matter, you, dude. But you can't have that guy on your team. Well, because he does stuff like that. I'm not here to troll officials. I'm here to win games. And the fact that Patrick Beverly got that technical was really stupid. Really, really stupid. Yeah. Like, it, it just... Was it, LeBron's reaction over the top? No. Because th this is the other thing that I think is hysterical. People are like, oh, he's acting. Do you understand where this guy is in his career? This guy's at the end of his career. And he is the best player in the NBA right now. I don't even think it's close. He has been the best player this season in the NBA. Playing at a a career high, like, I mean, the stuff LeBron is doing is amazing. And he knows he doesn't have an endless amount of time. He's not a 20-year-old Cleveland Cavalier anymore. Yeah. This guy's a 79-year-old freaking AARP member. Yes. Who's balling out. You go on the road and you win it at Boston. Do you know what that does for your team? Do you understand the, the confidence level that puts in your team so that when Austin Reeves gets back, you're in a better place to win games? What does it do for the league? This Man. is my point. You're in Boston. It's Braun. It's the Lakers. It's 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 ESPN doing all these all these great pieces before the game about heritage in the league and like memory. Yeah. Like it's everything you would want as an NBA fan, only to be robbed of a result. At the end, because again, I'm mm. not saying Man. I'm not advocating for this because LeBron is some huge victim and he's robbed and his career is on the line, even though all of that's true. That's not my why. 
My why is because it's crappy for the league. Yes. And and not that the viewer matters, but it's also crappy for the viewer, which but, is me. But the other thing is you can complain about officials every single night in this league. Mm -hmm. They're not traditionally terrible officials. I still don't maintain that on a nightly basis, officials lose teams' games every single night. But just about every single night. Now it's happening. Right, like I am just not a guy who believes in bitching at the umpire or complaining about the NBA or the NFL not calling holding. Like officials don't generally lose you games. The NBA is quickly pushing past this limit now where the, the officials are blowing calls on a regular basis. Like yes. the, this, there was a, that block the other, who was that that had the jazz block the other night? Um, it was clearly a goaltending. And they didn't call it. Yeah. Like the ball is on the rim. You knock the ball off the rim. Like, how do you not see that? That's your job. Like, you're not, you're just, you're not making the basic foul call. Yeah. You're, you're not, you're not doing the, like the other night in, in Memphis, they, they just didn't start the clock and nobody corrected it. And Memphis got like three extra seconds. They just don't go back and correct it. How's that possible? They don't go back and check. I don't remember what game that was. It might have been Kyle Kuzma, in fact, that had his foot on the three-point line. They gave him a three. Didn't go back and correct it. It's garden variety basic stuff where when your foot's on the line, they, they are supposed to spot check every three-point shot. They didn't correct it. Yeah. This Jaron Jackson controversy in Memphis where Jaron Jackson is supposedly getting blocks and steals that never happened. Now, the NBA, of course, came out and said, we reviewed every single play, and they, it's been scored accurately. But, boy, I got to tell you, I went back and looked at some of the video people are putting out, and there was one block that he got credited for. He wasn't anywhere near it. And now we have to wonder, is Jaron Jackson actually the defensive player of the year, or is Memphis inflating their statistics to get um, him to be defensive um, player of the year? Do you think there's any credence to... You know, hey, the the league controls officials to get certain results. And I'm not saying from a gambling perspective. I'm saying from a, I don't believe Adam Silver wakes up and says, all right, well, hey, the uh, the Lakers are minus three in Boston. Well, let me look at the slate of games today. I we really need Boston to win this game. So don't call fouls on at the end of the game. Swallow the whistle. I don't believe, I don't believe that. that. I do think there is some credence to the idea that the NBA talks to its officials and says, hey, this is the storyline we're working right now. I do believe that there's credence Homing, to that. Carrying. Yes. Like they are calling carrying now. It is a, it is like a, one of the NBA's I, I talked to the other night said, it's why guys like LaMelo Ball are not in a hurry to get back because he palms the ball every single time. Do you know what palming is? Where basically where you turn your hand over like this. When you're trying to do a crossover, you'll turn your hand over. It's the Allen Iverson That's thing. now being yeah. called a carry yeah. in this league. And LaMelo does it all the time. It happens every night in this league. But now they're calling it, it's a point of emphasis, right? So they do that to impact certain players. You'll notice that the points of emphasis are called, unless your name's John Morant, and you're going to dunk on a guy. Like, there'll be nights where they won't call it because this or that. Yeah. That happens in this league all the time. I don't believe for a second that Adam Silver's like, hey, Lakers are a game out. We're going to go ahead and need to get them into the playoffs. You know? I don't believe that happens. No. I just don't believe. Why didn't they get help last year? Why aren't they getting like help this, this year? Thing, the all-time scoring record. Perfect example, right? Like, 
So, so if you're somebody who believes that the league is fixing games, let's say, or that that Adam Silver is is you know colluding or working with you know NBA the NBA officiate uh, officiating team to get certain results, then how does this happen? How does Braun getting fouled, not getting called happen? That's why I say I don't believe Adam Silver wakes up and is like, oh, well, hey, betting lines or this or that. Like, what I think happens, though, is I think they look at the schedule and like, okay, it's Lakers-Boston. So we want to have a, a tight game. We would like it to be a bit physical. So maybe swallow the whistle here and there, right? Like, let's not be so aggressive with the whistle. So notice it's not super specific. We're not saying we're not blowing the whistle on Braun. We're just saying let these guys play a little bit. And so to me, if that is indeed the case, because again, I don't know if it is or not, but based on what I see that kind of makes me feel like it is, if that's the case, the LeBron thing makes sense, right? Like some of these other things make sense. They want in big games of consequence, they want it to be physical. They want shades of, you know, you know, early 2000s, late 90s basketball, where you've got some hard fouls, you've got, you know, big contact in the paint. Like, they want shades of that stuff. And I get it. It's 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 Lakers-Celtics. I understand. But I just, for the integrity of the game, for the quality of the game, for just straight enjoyment of the game, you can't have that happening, especially See, when it's LeBron. The funny thing is, though, like, an NBA guy I know is texting me saying, hey... They just want the they want Jeannie Buss to sell the Lakers because she's an uncooperative owner. They want Jeannie Buss to sell the Lakers, so they're not going to help the Lakers. And I don't know that I believe that. Do you? But it's certainly possible. Oh, it's certainly. I think it is absolutely possible. It is absolutely possible that they manufactured a sale of the Clippers. That they did everything they could do to get get Bobby Sarver to sell. They've been trying to get Robert Sarver out of the league for a decade. Yeah. Like, they pounce on certain situations. Jeannie Buss isn't putting animals into people's offices to prove a point, right. which is what Robert Sarver did. She's not a, a misogynist or anti-male and sexually harassing people and making a hostile work environment. Yeah. She's not doing that. She's not... So it's hard for them to force the Buss family to sell. But if you buy into that conspiracy theory, and I'm not necessarily sure I do... I can see why they're not getting those calls. Infowars.com. You know, it is, this is not new that the Lakers, and LeBron specifically, LeBron does not get a lot of calls, man. No. Like, he does not routinely get a lot of calls. But and that's yeah. what I'm saying. It doesn't work both ways, though, right? Like, everyone hit for the longest time, for as long as I can remember, people have always said, well, the league doesn't reward um, physical guys, meaning... The league is not going to blow the whistle for you if you're someone that likes to create the contact, right? Where Braun has been that guy. Braun has been, I'm, I'm you know, 6'9", 260 pounds. I'm just going to go through you on my way to the basket. And he's been uber successful doing that. The problem now is, though, they're not blowing the whistle for him. And I'm not certainly sitting here saying that somehow his career is built on getting that foul call. Mm -hmm. But the reality is... It, and you look at guys like Jai, know, you look man. at Luca. These guys, Harden, James Harden. Oh my God, James Harden in Houston. Even now, the master at getting guys to reach just enough so they can swing up through their arms and get the whistle. You're happy to blow the whistle uh, on that, but you won't. You won't blow the whistle on Jason Tatum. Like that's the issue. Yeah, it's interesting. 
It's interesting. I've also heard the Kobe conspiracies that Kobe, once Kobe passed, the Lakers lost leverage. The Lakers didn't matter as much. I see, and I think that makes a lot of sense because Kobe, Kobe was a reason a lot of people wanted to play there. Yeah. Kobe, Kobe spending time with you was a reason to go play in LA. You look at Devin Booker. He's a perfect example of this. Why, did, why does Devin Booker want to be a Laker? Because he loves Kobe. And I, it makes a lot of sense to me. I, I don't know. I, I, think that, I think that Jeannie Buss is doing a terrible job helming that organization. 100%. I, I would agree with that. Or I should say Linda Rambis is doing a terrible job running the Lakers because she's the one that supposedly has the influence. But I, I don't know how you explain the NBA officials just not making calls. And it's an, it's an everyday epidemic. Like, I don't know how you explain it, man. I, I, I truly don't know. Let's get some of your comments in here because um, I see a lot of you in on this. Um, Brett Burnett says a challenge system should be for each timeout. NBA has many timeouts, but at least they make money while doing advertising. Well, you're not going to take every, they're all their timeouts away. You're not going to do that. Uh, brother says, plus he's only 117 career points until Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like if the, if the league was. Reset was that. Like, Reset that. So my point on the scoring thing is that if you're somebody who is like, oh, Adam Silver wakes up and looks at some lines and says, this is how we're going to officiate each individual game, mm -hmm. right? Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be better for the league to help LeBron? Well, yeah, but that's not what's happening. So I don't believe that, right? I don't believe that that's what's going on. Well, if he's and, four games away, because this is part of this. Right, that's what they're saying. He's about he's four games four away. four games away. Uh, so let's call it four games. Yeah. They're on a road trip now. That would put him in New Orleans breaking the record because he's not going to play tonight, which makes sense because what does that mean? That Tuesday, February 7th against Oklahoma City, there's a good chance he breaks the record. Why aren't we going to that game? Uh, I don't know. Dude, can you imagine being at that game? I think part of the reason that they're going to manage his load right. is because I think he wants to break that at crypto. And I don't disagree with him. Why wouldn't you break that at home? Yeah. And I also think that this whole concept of, you know, the league missing calls, my biggest issue is not that it's Braun, right? My biggest issue is that it's horrible for the game itself. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, tr yeah. The, yeah. the crime in it is that, hey, it is LeBron. It is you know, every modern-day kid's Michael Jordan. Let's be and real. they have a ton of games on national TV. You think the NBA's not pissed tonight that you're not getting KD versus LeBron in Brooklyn? Yeah. You think the NBA is uh, what, any happier is that you're not getting Kyrie against LeBron and Anthony Davis? Because Anthony Davis and LeBron James, amongst a host of Lakers, are not playing tonight in Brooklyn. And guess where it's being televised? NBA TV. So NBA is going to suffer because your East Coast primetime game sucks now. Yeah. Because Lakers in Brooklyn isn't Lakers in Brooklyn. And then you notice that what, where are they playing tomorrow night? Where are the Lakers playing tomorrow night? The Garden against the Knicks on TNT. You think LeBron wants to play at the Garden? I'm going to say he does. Facial recognition. Yeah, I'm going to say he wants facial recognition. I think he, they're going to play. But this is the problem for the league. Do you want NBA TV to have the game, or do you want TNT to have the game? Because he's not going to play in both of them. And don't tell me that this officiating thing 
doesn't alienate Braun and make him cold-blooded when it comes to the schedule. Don't tell oh, me he doesn't look at absolutely. this thing. Don't tell me he doesn't look at this thing. Don't tell me Braun doesn't wake up in his hotel room or at his crib in L.A. and say, oh, oh yeah, we've got, uh, what, what's the next home game for them? OKC, is yeah, it? Yeah, next Tuesday. Oh, we have OKC at Crypto? Yeah, we're going to give Josh Giddy the goods, definitely. Bro, like, I would, on, you want, we should think about going. Come on, man. I don't think Come on. Game, dude. Uh, I would love to go to the game. But yeah. anyway, the point is, the point is, I think LeBron wants to win this game or break that record at home with his family and friends in attendance at Crypto.com Arena. Doesn't it have shades of all the things Kobe did at Staples? It does. Right? Like, it's, it's, the, it's the Shaq story of Shaq saying, Kobe, hey, can you get me 60 in your final game? And then Buddy goes out and does what he does. Like, it just is, you know, it, it just... It's right that Braun would break the record at crypto. The building, the fan base, yeah. they deserve it. They do. But uh, the NBA ha thinks otherwise. I'm the Lakers are an integrally important. They're integral to the the success of the NBA. And I think you make the best point. You can like the you can like or hate LeBron. You can like or hate the Los Angeles yep. Lakers. The reality is they're the Los Angeles Lakers, and there's no getting away from it. It just is what it is. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I don't know, man. There's a big conversation in the comments right now about people's inability to tag others in comments. I think the only way you can tag people is if you're on a desktop. I don't think you can tag people in YouTube comments on your phone. I could be wrong about that. I see a ton of you commenting. Please hit the like button. If all 180 of you watching the program would do that, that'd be amazing. Jordan uh, Wheeler says, so what is the deal that Jazz have, or is this just clickbait again? What are you talking about, dude? See, you come in here every day. <laughs> this is so you. You're, you're, you're Mr. Hater guy, and I have no problem battling you on it. Like, like you're, add, add, who is this? Jordan, Jordan Wheeler. Wheeler. To the list of guys that rolls up into the show and says, "Oh, clickbait, clickbait, clickbait." We're not clickbait, dude. We've been, we've been. We've shows been, two and a half hours like, deep, bro. Like maybe show up when the show starts, and you'll get exactly what you want, right? Like, hey, go back to the seven o'clock hour. Listen to the. What did we spend an hour? We spent an hour on this. Like, Fifty minutes. Don't come 50 in minutes. here late after you finally decided to wake up and get your cup of coffee and say that we're clickbaiting. Come on, come dude. On, man. Come on, come now. on, man. Hey, don't forget that uh, monster trucks are coming to the Maverick Center. Monster trucks, monster value. The all-star monster trucks return to the Maverick Center February 10th and 11th. Affordable fun for the whole family, plus a free pit party before each show. Get tickets now at maverickcenter.com. I know a lot of people have asked me about tickets for that. We're working on it. Um, it's a huge show. It's a great show. If you haven't looked at, if you haven't gone to maverickcenter.com to look at the schedule of events, like we walked in the building this morning at, at 445 or whenever it was, the stars floor is back down. So the, the Grizzlies sweep the Rapid City Rush over the weekend. And now the stars are going to be back here at Maverick Center. There is a ton of stuff. And it's been a great year. Like, you have Maverick Center coming, gymnastics uh, coming to the Maverick Center, monster trucks, WWE. Like, it's crazy how much stuff, uh, how many events they're putting into the Maverick Center. So uh, we are working on that. But get your tickets to monster trucks right now at maverickcenter.com. This hour of the show is brought to you by Barbecue Pit Stop, BBQ Pit Stop .com. 
Um, shop any of their five Utah locations because they're just good guys to do business with. We say that about all of our people, but that's why we do business with the people we do business with because they're local business owners, entrepreneurs that are trying to kick ass. Help them do that. Go to uh, bbqpitstop.com or see any of their five Utah locations uh, from Logan, Layton, Lehigh, the GZ, and St. George. Of course, our good friends on State Street in Murray at Barbecue Pit Stop. You hear that name, you think of the best equipment, whether it's Traeger, Yoder, Big Green Egg, Camp Chef. You want a pizza oven, you want a, you name it, they've got it. Tongs. 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 Uh, but I'm telling you, go get the Asado seasoning with your Traeger grill because that's how we roll up in the crib. Uh, well worth it. This hour of the program brought to you by our good friends at Barbecue Pit Stop, bbqpitstop.com. Uh, Real quick on this struggling to tag people in the live chat and this is just five minutes worth of looking around it appears that to tag someone they it looks like they have to be a member i'm not sure though this is something i'll have to look into but it appears that functionality may be a members only thing i'm not sure though jordan wheeler says i enjoy the show but it's clickbaity as hell okay well we gave you the exact thumbnail we gave you the exact story right off the thumbnail at seven o'clock go back and watch it man and by the way you're welcome to be here, but if it's too clickbaity for you, there's others. I mean, help yourself. Like, I, there's a reason that you keep coming back here and complaining it's clickbaity. Yeah. There I must, mean, no we offense, must be doing dude. something like, right. It's not that I dislike you. I don't. But I just think it's funny that you roll up in here two hours late every day and say that it's clickbait. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Louis Capasso says, Jake, you can tag on desktop. You can, I think, tag on okay, desktop. Okay, so it's a desktop thing. Yeah, okay, I agree cool. with that. Uh, Anthony Kobe says, LeBron the victim. Come on, guys. The dude has been gifted more superstar calls and no calls than anybody in the last 15 years. Horrible missed call, but nothing more. It's not just the one missed call. Yeah. Like, this is what I've been talking Wait, about I mean, now. we've been through it, right? Like, it's not... It's like, not just the one call yeah, it's anymore. it's not just the one call. It, it, it isn't. Yeah. Um, no, here's how you tag people. You put an at and I, you, you see, look, look at Lope fan Gabe's comment. <coughs> Hello. Yeah. Like you can't highlight somebody's name unless you're on desktop. Lu uh, Lopes fan Gabe says, uh, Lewis respectfully disagree. There's a, a role of good coaches set the expectation and hold a standard of competition for the team. Youth coaches not doing that are missing it. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. Don't even get me started on that. You know. Uh, Tanner uh, or Brent says Tamer just clickbaited his own name. <laughs> okay. Well done, Brian. I appreciate you, bro. Uh, Kay Nuren says the NBA needs to clean up its calling. It, the officiating in the NBA this year is as bad as I can ever remember it. And again, for all of you guys hating on Braun or whatever, it's not like, again, my opinion is it's not a Braun issue. Right? It's like, an NBA it, wide. Of, yeah. yeah. Like Braun has just been the most recent victim. But why is this such a big deal? Because we've set up a culture in the NBA where it's okay to complain about officiating. Well, that's spot on. Where the, yeah. the players flop and guys complain and every call's the wrong call. Like My name is Luca. I'm telling you, if you it's got to be balls and strikes. If you complain about officiating, they have the right to eject you. Yeah. That would stop that. Because you can't have guys getting ejected. You you just can't do it. And People don't wanna don't wanna do it. Jordan Wheeler says I'm fine with the clickbait. That's why I'm here. Okay, well okay. I respect you for owning it. Great. <laughs> it how do we think you know? Brent says we love Super Soaker. Ron Nolan says that would be great click page. Love Britain Covey. 
I remember when he was little running around at the Franklin Covey Field. Ron, I don't know what your bone for Britton Covey has been today, but you know. Yeah. You know, Tom, good morning to you. I'm fine watching Braun and the Lakers lose on a missed call. Well, but okay, but see, this is my point. <laughs> see, this is this is the point I was making precisely, right? The missed call in some ways could be could have been good for the league if it wasn't Braun. But this is why you need to blow the whistle one way or the other. Put his ass at the line. If he misses and doesn't win the game, it's great for the league. If he makes it and wins the game, it's great for the league. Blow the whistle, dude. It's a business proposition. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Uh, let's get some non-sports stories in here because uh, we got about 20 minutes left in the show. Please uh, consider uh, hitting the like button. That would be awesome. Uh, my big story today certainly uh, is this real estate situation. Do you guys know how realtors work? In the comments section, do you understand how real estate agents work? Do you know what their job is? Do you know what they're supposed to do for you? Well, they just write some contracts and they make a bunch of money they don't deserve. Isn't that right? But I, I honestly think the garden variety consumer yeah. does not understand what a real estate agent does. And I bring this up because there is a class action lawsuit currently in the works against a group called the National Association of Realtors. And a real estate agent, I want to get this out of the way right now, a real estate agent and a realtor are different. A realtor has to, to be designated as a realtor. You have to go through an ethics uh, education process. Like it's a certification with the National Association of Realtors. A real estate agent just goes to school, gets their license. Great. They're not, they're not trained at that higher level. So as somebody, by the way, I... I, when I lived in Arizona, I was a realtor. I had my license. I had my certification. We flipped a bunch of houses, renovated a bunch of houses. Like, yeah. So we have a, a, a bit of expertise here. The lawsuit that's going through the courts right now is focusing on the buyer's agent. So in a real estate transaction, you have two sides. The person who represents the people who own the house, who are selling it, they are the seller's agent. And then you have another real estate agent who represents the people buying the house, the buyer's agent. There are lawsuits right now working their way in a class action saying that it is a antitrust action because they are saying that a seller's real estate agent is simply in place to inflate the cost of the person or the buyer's agent is simply in place to inflate the cost of the people uh, selling the house, mm -hmm. that the buyer's agent is irrelevant. To which I say that's complete nonsense because I actually think a buyer's agent's really important. I think both sides have to be represented. But here's the thing. I think the class action's gonna win. And I think we are going to see the compensation structure for real estate agents is gonna completely change. To which I say, if you believe that's a good thing, you don't know what real estate agents do. Because I think if you're gonna have, and essentially what would happen is, the real estate agent representing the seller would represent both the buyer and the seller, which is not gonna be good. And my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. She made a really good point. Real estate agents don't fight for what's best for their client. They fight what's best for them, which is a big problem because there are trashy real estate agents all over, especially here in Utah. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you, like, my buying process was terrible. Like, and, and I largely ran my transaction 
because I didn't have a real estate agent that was plugged in. And we wound up having a lot of problems that we shouldn't have had if my real estate agent had been plugged in. Thanks. And the, the bottom line is, if you are buying or selling a house, you're in control of that transaction. But here's the problem. It's a legal document. It's a contract. So if you don't understand, like people get really intimidated by the real estate purchase contract. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a document that you need to read line by line. And a lot of people are too lazy to read it line by line. So they don't understand it. And so what happens is when you have a, a real estate agent who's representing a, a seller, okay, Jim and Steve are selling their home and their realtor says, hey, I got a, I got a contract for the $500,000. Now I know it's not the 550 you wanted, but let's take it, it's a great offer. Mm -hmm. And so Jim and Steve are gonna take that offer when if they'd awaited a week, they probably would've got a full price offer. Now what's $50,000 to Jim and Steve who are selling the house actually equates to about $200 for the real estate agent. And the real estate agent isn't gonna wanna work another 10 days, which is actually 40 days because most real estate contracts close in a month. They're not gonna to wanna to wait 40 more days simply to make 200 bucks. Whereas the person selling the house will make $50,000 more. That's the problem in real estate. Real estate agents are lazy. Real estate agents do not have an ethical, you know, attachment to their client who's ever selling or buying the house. When the truth is, we as real estate agents are supposed to fight tooth and nail for our client. Nobody does because they wanna make a quick buck and get on to the next transaction. That I think is the problem in real estate. That, yeah. and I also think, by the way, that the people buying and selling their homes are lazy. They don't, they don't get involved. They're, oh, she's a realtor, I'll just trust her. You can't do that. It's the largest financial transaction of your life. And I just think not enough consumers are involved in it. Yeah, well, and I think this concept of, you know, so like if they win this lawsuit, right? If this lawsuit goes through and they win and all these buyer's agents are wiped out, what is that going to do to the market? Because that, to me, is 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 the biggest thing of this whole conversation. Yes. Like, like, hey, yeah, you do have all these crappy real estate agents, but that's not really the point. The point is, is that now every so you're telling me now every single transaction is going to be dual agency, and now I got to rely on someone who is representing the seller's interest and my interest. Dual agency means that one real estate agent represents the person selling the house and buying the house. It is not the right thing to do. About 99% of the time, it's not the right thing to do. It's what every real estate agent wants to do because it's gonna make them an extra probably two percentage points on that deal. So instead of 3%, you're gonna make 5%. But I agree with you, it's, it's not nearly the thing to do. And I, I can honestly say, we represented a high, a high dollar client most of the time. We were not selling $350,000 houses. We were buying like our, our million dollar flip. We did a million dollar flip on Gaining Ranch Golf Course in, in Arizona, in Phoenix. We had to fight tooth and nail on those contracts. Yeah. Everybody that we represented, I think we, we, we did a pretty good job. There was one, one, one particular investor was just in a hurry to sell their house. Like they wanted out, like they were gonna take the first offer they got, which was not the best offer, but and if they'd have waited four more days, if they'd have taken our advice, they'd have made money. They wound up breaking even because they didn't want to wait the four days. Yeah. That kind of thing happens all the time. And I'm not telling you, by the way, 
I don't think every realtor is bad. I really don't. I think the problem is we have big brokerage houses now. We have these huge firms that don't take their training seriously. So it's a trickle down effect. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's what we talked about being men, frankly. Mm-hmm. What, do, what do good times do to people? Good times make soft people. Yeah. What's, what's it been in real estate for arguably the last decade? It's been really good times. Houses were selling in five minutes. Which, what does that mean? Hey, I'm going to offer you, oh man, I'm going to offer $50,000 over list price because I'm going to close this right now. <laughs> that was happening on a routine, regular basis. People were paying $500,000 for a $300,000 townhouse. Mm-hmm. That was happening every day in this country. So what happened? Realtors got soft. Realtors didn't have to negotiate. Realtors didn't have to fight. And what happened to all the people who couldn't afford to buy a house in that time and said, you know what? No, I can't right now, but I know this market's going to come back. And all those lazy-ass real, uh, real estate agents that I've seen and identified in the market because I walk through all those open houses and I talk to them, and I know for a fact that all the realtors that were doing open houses in daybreak because they thought they were cool and they thought that would get them a lot of business. And they were going to make a quick buck. Yeah, I'm not using any of you. I'm not. Even if this lawsuit fails, I'm not using you. I The real estate agent... <sighs> that I would use, I don't know their name, and I would only find that person through vetting. Like, that's the other thing that no one wants to talk about with the situation. Nobody on the consumer side, or most people, I shouldn't say nobody, that's an exaggeration, but most people, in my experience, are not going to vet like 15 agents and ask questions and really measure these people. But what they're also not going to do is understand the, the, the deal that they're making. Like, you, you, what you have to do with a realtor, now I think it's paramount. It's, it's vitally important. When you are buying or selling your home, one, if you don't have a real estate relationship, I, I'd be surprised by that. Because the other thing you cannot do, do not let your friend, your sister, your mom, do not let them represent you. You can't do that. What you have to do is you have to form a long-term real estate relationship with somebody that is not related to you that you trust. What's up, big bro? And to do that, you need to interview people. And you need to say, hey, what is it that you've done here? What is it? Hey, tell me about your most... Like when we sold our house in Phoenix, we went through this process. And by the way, we still had to close it on our own because the realtor in Phoenix was a disaster. But we interviewed this lady and she was like, yeah, I know your zip code. I know your area. I've sold five houses here. Here's what I would do. Like our transaction closed three days late because she was asleep at the wheel. And we were telling her the day before closing, hey, we haven't done this or it's not here. Or That's the kind of stuff that you have to be watching for. But most consumers don't know that. Yeah. So you wind up losing two days of interest on your mortgage that you should never have had to pay. Bottom line, should never have, that deal should have closed on Friday. Nah, we'll close it Monday. No, no big deal. Well, you just paid two days of interest, right? So my point is you have to interview people. And then when you get a, a real estate contract, if you write a contract, what most real estate agents will do is, oh, yeah, I'm going to send you a DocuSign. Just click the buttons. Let's get this submitted. No, no, friends. What you need to do is read that contract. Don't, don't read your contract through a DocuSign. Make your realtor write you a contract and then send it to you and take your time reading it. And then, hey, read that contract. Okay, good to go. Can you change this or that or whatever? And then send it to me through DocuSign. 
because you can't, you just can't trust people Mm-mm. anymore. Um, let's see. Jordan Wheeler says the idea of one agent representing both sides is a disaster waiting to happen. I would agree with that. Yeah. Brent Burnett says realtors are screwed because Fed changed the marketplace and the Fed should be class actioned out of business. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Uh, Amber Spencer. Good morning, Amber. Good to see you. As the wife of a real estate agent, he works every single uh, dollar he gets, works for every single dollar he gets. He always is working in the best interest of his clients. Not all agents are the same though. Not all agents do that. Yeah. And again, that's why I say like, not all real estate agents are bad. If, if you want to know the, the facts of the matter, the way the, the, the difference between a good and a bad agent, if somebody can talk to you about ethics, if somebody, there's a guy who impacted me significantly. His name's John Dyer. He's like a, a legal wizard with real estate. That guy taught me more than any teacher in real estate ever had taught me. I didn't learn anything about real estate in real estate school. Nothing. I knew nothing that I needed to know by going to school to get a real estate license. Nothing. I didn't learn anything about real estate until I started writing contracts. And I can tell you, not all real estate agents are bad. There are some that are amazing. But they're dwindling. That number is shrinking. And why is that? Because now you're going to have to work for a living. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you how many real estate agents want to sit behind a computer screen and write contracts. They don't want to go out and knock on doors. They don't want to go out and introduce themselves. Like when we did open houses, we used to print like 50 flyers and go knock on doors and leave flyers and say, hey, come by. Come by, come meet us, come see us. We just renovated this house, come walk through it. I, I cannot tell you how much business we got just being on a property. You know, the property that we renovated, which impacted all the houses around it, you know, that property, like that's that's what I feel like agents <laughs> don't understand. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Louis Capazzo says, the one house I sold, the agent knocked on my door looking for a house in their neighborhood. He represented both the buyer and us. He did a good job and did not rip me off. That's great. And that's great, man. Amber says, oof, you're throwing down fighting words. I hope I am. I hope every real estate agent that ever hears this looks at themselves and said, am I an ethical agent or am I the guy that's chasing the next deal constantly? Because there's a difference. You're always chasing another deal in real estate. But if you are focused on the clients you have and then deals down the road, you're going to do better. I mean, this would be this would be like this would be like the car salesman saying they're representing your interests and the dealership's interests. That's no. just not the case. It's not. It's not. Uh, Lopes Van Gabe says, as a buyer, you better believe I want someone I trust representing us on a real estate transaction, not trying to get screwed on a 30-year commitment that's the largest amount of money you will ever spend. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many people in this state have overpaid for homes that they will never have equity on. <coughs> How many people in the last three years bought a house that will never be worth what it what they paid oh, for? Oh, but it? the market's exploding. You're going to have equity. Don't worry. It's just going to take a little bit. It's the pie in the oven, right? You got to let that Man, thing cook. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Lopes Van Gabe says, I have more beef with everyone else who has their hand in the pot on my real estate transaction. Everyone and their mom takes a buck. Well, and that's why it's a racket. So the home inspector... You know, they, the, like one of the biggest scams in real estate is appraisals. You ever build a new house? Notice they'll waive the appraisal because they don't want you to go out. They will give you incentives not to go find your own appraiser and get their house appraised because they know it's not worth what they're selling it to you as. 
So you need to fight and, and get that down. When I built my house in Phoenix, that's exactly what we did. We were like, yeah, no, it's not worth that. We're going to get an appraiser. Well, you know, how about we make a deal and do it for this amount? Like, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. Wave the appraisal will, you know, like anytime, anytime you hear the words, hey, well, we'll wa wave the appraisal. You should be like, well, remember, remember the rage in real estate, especially here in Salt Lake, the last two years. Wave the inspections so that your offer oh will be God. will be more attractive. And then, what do you know? A year later, oh, I got news for you: your water heater blew up in your basement. Who knew? Yeah, I mean, come I, on, man. Yeah, I'm come on now. Uh, Matt Ritson says I have great realtor state in in sold to my home last couple days, and her name is Jude. Okay. That's cool. Arlington Bear says representing both sides can work, but it's very limited. In a very limited window, it can work. In a very limited window. Lopes Van Gabe, closing costs are way bigger scam than realtor fees. Way bigger scam. Way, way bigger scam. Yeah. If you look at the closing costs saying, and what you're dude. really paying for. So I'm saying, I know the American dream is to own a house. I know that. And I'm certainly not saying owning is a bad thing. But it has a lot of a lot of cliffs that you can fall off of. I mean, you gotta be you gotta be on lock. And yep. and not everybody is blessed enough or you know, whatever word you wanna use, blessed, fortunate, well off enough, whatever, to just buy these houses and not worry about the repercussions. Like most people are not. And that's why that's why the whole realtor thing is is tough, man. Like it it, it is it's frustrating to not be able to find a good one. And the other thing I think is funny is, and we used to talk to Devery about this all the time, my good guy, Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. Yeah. The, the realtors that will show people's how, people, they'll take Karen and Steve and show them a house. They have no idea what their credit score is. They have no idea if they're qualified, but I'm gonna walk you through somebody else's house and I have no idea if you're, you're capable of buying it. Hey guys. That's what's remarkable to me. It's like test driving the car and you've got like 300 credit. Like, like, come on, dude. That That's what's, I, it, it used to drive me crazy when we flipped houses and we'd do open houses. The real estate agents that would, would schedule an appointment, I'd say, hey, do you have a pre-qualification letter or a pre-qual letter? No. Okay, well then you can't show them the house. Like, I, how do I know? I've got a million dollar mansion in Ganey Ranch on a golf course that we spent $250,000 renovating. Keep it real. And you want me to let you just bring, you know, any anybody by to see the inside of this house and expose our neighbors to all kinds of issues and gated community. Can they afford that mansion? That place wound up selling for $1.85 million. Can you afford $1.8 million? Are they qualified to get a loan? Do they have the cash down payment? Oh, they then they shouldn't be here. But how many real estate agents are asking their clients, hey, do you have a prequal? Are you, hey, what's your credit score? Hey, are you able to, no. It, it drives me crazy. It does. Bro, that's 54 grand of a down payment. On At a minimum. Million. At a minimum. Let's not even get into these people who want to put down like 10%. But and, and at that level, the other thing that people don't understand, when you're talking about buying a $1.8 million mansion, you might have one or two offers. That that buying pool tiny. is tiny. So the people who wound up buying that house put a 75% down payment down and finance the rest through their LLC. 75% down. Down. That's the guy you want to do business with because 
The other thing that I think is awesome is everybody's like cash buyer, cash buyer, cash buyer. Okay, so if I have a, an investment property and like we sold one house that was an Airbnb straight in South Scottsdale and they wanted to finance it and you have these other people that are like, well, hey, all cash, you gotta be careful of the all cash people because what did it turn out they wanna do? At the end of the day, like look at our, our Greyhawk house in Scottsdale. We had a guy walk in there, it's like, yeah, I wanna buy this on a credit card. No, you're not gonna see the house, you're gonna leave. You, can't, you cannot do a real estate transaction on a credit card. And who brought him? A real estate agent on a scheduled showing. On a house in one of the most prestigious golf courses in Scottsdale, Greyhawk Golf Club, that we renovated the kitchen like, and we had an owner that was frankly a pain in the ass. But we had an owner, he had a beautiful home, pool, hot tub, on the golf course. It was awesome. Everything you want. We renovated his bathrooms, all of his cabinetry in the house, and we completely rebuilt his kitchen. It's probably a $30,000, $40,000 reno. And this guy walks in with a real estate agent who had scheduled a showing and was like, yeah, hey, I'm going to put this on a black card. It's like, dude, you can't, I'm not, I'm like, no, man. Like, get the, you can't buy a house on a credit card. I don't know how many people realize it. You can't do that. And you're not seeing my house when your pre-qualification is a credit card. That's what's amazing to me. I could complain and I should stop. Uh, Lewis says, never waive that inspection, ever. Uh, you can lipstick a pig and unless you know where to dig, you will get screwed with some big fixes. I do not know. It's probably 100 at this point. Houses I've walked through where there's water stains around a hot water heater. Yeah. And people are like, ah, that's no big deal. Well, it's no big deal once I get my plumber to look at it. Right? Trust, but verify. Hey, is that water heater okay? Yeah, oh, it's great. Okay, we'll verify that. Trust, but verify. Like your title company, Jeffrey Davis. We were going to buy an investment property in Daybreak, a townhouse. Turned out there was a huge lawsuit on it. So we, because we, we were going to finance it. And Devery's like, yeah, I can't tell you to do that. You shouldn't do that. Can't, can't do that. Now, because we drive by it all the time, completely had to rebuild that building because it was structurally unsafe through construction. Mm -hmm. But who's looking at that? My, the bottom line on this story is I do think that real estate and real estate agents need an overhaul. Yeah. And I think that one buyers or one agent's not going to get it done. And I think that it should be much more difficult to get your real estate license because I think in too many states, it's too easy to get it. It is just, it is understanding that you're writing a contract. Like it's a legal document. I Binding, don't think, bro. I don't think people understand real estate agents don't understand that. I, I really don't. Uh, Chris Carn says, I have an inspection being done right now on an out-of-state property. Have an agent you know and trust. Got to. Got to. Because when we bought our house in, in Arizona, in Mesa, our townhouse, sight unseen. Yeah. We had a great realtor. We had a great inspection. Pointed out five different things that needed to be fixed. And the one was a roof leak. And it got fixed. And we wound up buying the house. And it was awesome. And then the person who bought the house waived their inspection, waived their appraisal because we were in a really good townhouse situation and he was a real estate agent and waived it all. And I can't remember what he asked us to leave in. Was it the TV? Might like he been. just wanted like this T like. It might've been the TV because you had a built-in in that house that only fit a certain size TV and he didn't want to have to buy another yeah, one. Yeah, it, it's crazy to me. It is absolutely crazy to me. Brett Burnett says, uh, renting is tough right now. Rent costs are sky high these days. Yeah, tell me about it, bro. 
Yep. Tell me about Speaking it. Speaking of class action lawsuits, Jake. Yeah. What is burrito season? So, <laughs> can you Chipotle, explain that to me? Chipotle is hiring 15,000 new people because they say that burrito season is like March through July ish for them. Like, that's sort of their window in time where they're going to sell the most burritos and they're going to do the most product movement. So like, hey, we got to hire all these new people. And what I'm sitting here saying is that you're you're telling a story at Chipotle corporate about how the hourly worker can get up to management. And in some cases in California, management's 100 G's, right? $100,000, right? And to me, I'm just sitting here like, well, that's fine and dandy, but you're, you're talking about expanding almost two and a half times as far as new openings which is another reason they want to hire all these people. And I'm just sitting here saying, hey, that's great, but the cost of chicken's not coming down anytime soon. That's <laughs> well, great. Hey, hey, man, I know this is a burger joint, but can I get a chicken burrito? Right, like, that's great, but I know that avocado seed cost is not coming down anytime soon. So, like, I just, I love Chipotle. I'm a huge fan. Chipotle, uh, Cafe Rio, or Costa Vida? Uh, Chipotle, in that order, actually. Yeah, Co in that order. Nah. Costa Vida, number one. I love really? Coast Oh, yeah, they're fajitas. Or their uh, quesadillos. Damn. Quesadillas. Uh, their quesadillos, amazing. Yeah. I think the problem at Cafe Rio is their beans are cooked in oil. Yeah. Yeah. That's, what, that's the that. only thing. Their chicken, best chicken. Their tortillas, best tortillas. Yeah. There you go. All right. Time to go, Jake. This show is yeah. presented by The Advocates. Theadvocates.com. I am floating. So until tomorrow, <laughs> say goodbye, Jake. <laughs> goodbye, Jake. <laughs>